0: Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey.
1: Hey, it's Pat Smith
2: of the Spokane Chiefs. Hey, it's Adam Bocas. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltageurs.
3: Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hi, I'm
4: Dominic Fox. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Old Stokes
3: Oilers. It's Joe O'Brien. Hi, it's Jared Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachuk from the Boston
1: University Terriers.
0: Major Junior.
1: In the 100th year of the Memorial
5: Cup, the Ankeny Panthers T-Tall have won it for the first time.
0: NCAA.
5: Everybody in that Bulldog section's
0: on their feet.
5: The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national
0: champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select Trollunda defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. And more. Oh, uh, yes! Oh, my goodness. We're not going home yet, baby! This is The Pipeline Show.
1: Here we go.
5: Welcome to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Great to have you on board once again. If you're a returning listener, then welcome back to the show. If, if this is your first visit to The Pipeline Show, then welcome, uh, welcome to the program, and I hope you'll be back for more. As always, we start with the question of the day. I put it up on Twitter earlier th- this morning. Pretty short and sweet. Uh, this year's WHL playoff MVP will be, and it's uh, one of two options. The first, goaltender Ian Scott of the Prince Albert Raiders. The second, anyone else or someone else. And you got to tell me who that's going to be because if it's not Ian Scott, uh, something's wrong. Right now, he's got a buck 83 goals against average, a 931 safe percentage. He's got five shutouts. He's played 20 games in the playoffs, five of them uh, shutouts. The uh, Prince Albert Raiders are up 3-1 in their series against the Vancouver Giants. He's got two shutouts in this series. That is the question of the day. You can uh, you can find that on Twitter, at TPS underscore Gee. Throw a vote. Throw me a follow if you're not following me already. Let's uh, continue on. This is going to be a very short opening segment because uh, there is lots of content on uh, this week's episode, which I'll get to in coming down the pipe in a second. But uh, the news and notes portion is uh, going to be really short. Here's what's happening in the WHL. Uh, As I mentioned, the Raiders up 3-1 in their series against the Giants. Game 5 goes tonight. Do or die, obviously, for the uh, Vancouver Giants. They're at home, but they've been at home for the last two games as well and dropped both of them. How about an 8-2 spanking by the PA Raiders where the Raiders got out to a 7-0 lead in the first period. Unbelievable uh, game for Prince Albert that night. They could wrap it up uh, tonight in uh, Langley, B.C. That's uh, the home of the Vancouver Giants. I actually think Vancouver is going to win game five and uh, PA will uh, get game six and seven, both in Prince Albert, but I don't think it'll go seven. I think the Raiders will win on Sunday. They could win it tonight uh, and have a little bit of a rest before the Memorial Cup. Interestingly enough, the Memorial Cup starts a week from tonight. So a uh, pretty quick turnaround for uh, the four teams who will eventually get to the Memorial Cup. We already know in the queue that both uh, Royan Miranda and Halifax uh, will be there. That series right now, 3-2 in favor of the Huskies. Not sure what the plans are. If, if Roy Noranda wins tonight, do they go back uh, to Roy Noranda for a few days and then uh, travel back to Halifax for the Memorial Cup? Or do they do they pack heavy and just stay there uh, for the rest of this week? Not sure. Uh, obviously, Halifax, if it doesn't go their way, they're already at home. If they win, Game 7 would be on Monday. So real quick turnaround. Oh, and I said tonight, Game 6 is actually tomorrow on Saturday. Game seven would be Monday in Roy Naranda. So uh, that would be not a lot of rest for the teams uh, coming out of the queue if they uh, go to seven games. Uh, In the OHL, looking pretty likely that they'll go seven games. It's tied 2-2 right now. Game five goes tonight. That one is in Ottawa. The 67s, uh, they took game one and two, whereas the Guelph Storm came back and won games three and four, both of those games. It's it's been a home series. The home team has won uh, all four games thus far. Game five tonight, game six on Sunday, game seven on Monday. So you could theoretically see Prince Albert finish up tonight and have a full week off, whereas the other three teams uh, could actually be playing on Monday. So it would be the least rest uh, for those three clubs. Not sure it'll actually matter uh, when it all comes down to it at the Memorial Cup. Uh, certainly the uh, WHL champ has the furthest distance to go, and sometimes that seems to uh, uh, to have an effect as well. Uh, the USHL, uh, the Clark Cup final begins tonight in Sioux Falls. The Stampede are hosting the Chicago Steel. Sioux Falls knocking off the Tri-City Storm, who I think last week on the show we were talking about they're probably the favorite uh, while the Stampede stampeded them as they uh, swept that series uh, three games to none. All right, that's going to do it for the news and notes. Uh and I want to get right to the uh, the guest list. Here's what's coming down the pipe today. We're going to start it off uh Ross McLean, who uh used to be on the show on a very regular basis in the early days of the Pipeline show. Uh, he was uh scouting for uh, ISS at, at the time. Uh and then left to uh, go work with Hockey Canada where he was for like the last decade. Uh now he's a free agent and has been uh, continuing with his uh, scouting looking to hook up with a, an NHL team, and uh, I don't think it'll be long before he does. So I put in a call to him. I wanted to talk to him about the U18s. He was over in Sweden, and he absolutely delivers a, a, an in-depth review of a number of players who are draft eligible this year. It's like a 40-minute conversation. We're going to lead off for this episode with that chat with Ross McLean. So we'll do that first. Uh, We'll follow it up with a trio of 2019 draft spotlight segments, three of them. The first one will be an in-the-dub segment uh, for our friends at dubnetwork.ca. Keep up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League with uh, your visits daily to dubnetwork.ca. The player in the spotlight is Adam Beckman. He's uh, with the Spokane Chiefs and actually tried to uh, set up an interview with him a couple of weeks ago, but the playoff schedule was just so tight uh, games when uh, the Oil Kings were playing and the Chiefs were playing, two different series, obviously, uh, but it, it just it didn't work out. Uh, but now that the, uh, the Chiefs are done, he's got more time, the Oil Kings are done, I got a little bit more freedom as well. So I was able to connect with Adam Beckman. You'll enjoy that conversation. Uh, another guy tried to get on earlier in the season, but couldn't until now. Uh, Bobby Brink, he's a forward with the Sioux City Musketeers, also went over to Sweden and played in the World U18 with the United States. I had a chat with him, and we'll share that with you today. Bobby Brink, a a potential first-round pick, probable first-round pick. And another guy who is uh, a probable first-round pick, even though we don't see goaltenders go that high, Spencer Knight from Team USA. He's on the show this week as well. One of the best uh, player interviews I've had this season uh, on the Pipeline show, no question in my mind. Spencer Knight, you're really going to be impressed uh, with uh, how well-spoken he is. That's coming up on the show we're going to close things out today with a, a preview of those Clark Cup finals in the USHL. Mark Stitcher the uh, voice of the Chicago Steel is our guest. Uh, he's going to set the table and uh, we're also going to, I don't if, I'm not going to spoil it here, but if you uh, haven't heard his uh, overtime winning call from the last round that uh, propelled the Chicago Steel into the final, you're going to love that one. Uh, we have the clip and I'll share it with you at the start of that segment as well. So, uh, lots to get to. We're going to start with Ross McLean with his recap of the World U18s and a number of players uh, that uh, you need to know for the 2019 NHL Draft. Some really in-depth scouting reports on uh, a number of players. That starts off this episode of the Pipeline Show. Next. Hi, it's Norris Sider
4: from the Mannheim of Germany.
1: 2 auf 1 ICS mit Seider und gemacht sein erstes DL-Tor. 5 1 Mannheim, Moritz Seider.
4: You're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
5: We're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we're going to recap the uh, World U18s and maybe uh, tie it in with, a, uh, with the NHL draft and uh, look at some of the players that were uh, eligible for this year's NHL draft that were standouts in the tournament, maybe some guys who left people wanting a little bit more. And to uh, give us his perspective, uh, a good friend of the uh, Pipeline Show going back a number of years. Ross McLean, I guess we can call you an unrestricted free agent when it comes to scouting, uh, Ross. But welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are
0: you? I'm back. It's great to be back.
5: Well, it's great to have you once again. Uh, you were in Sweden. Uh, let's talk about that tournament. And uh, maybe we'll start with the U.S. Because the, the World U18s is traditionally dominated by the U.S. national development team. It's their Stanley Cup. They've played two years together to get to this point and win this tournament. They didn't. They come away with a medal, but not the color that they wanted. A uh, number of players had terrific tournaments, though. Overall, would you say this was a disappointing finish for the U.S., or are there still a lot of positives to take from it?
0: Uh, obviously, it would be disappointing for them. I think from everybody else, it's probably more shocking than anything. Um, has to be probably one of the biggest gaps in terms of skill between teams that I can remember seeing at this event um, that didn't play in the gold medal game. Uh, obviously, in a short-term competition, anything can happen, and I think some of these guys learned that lesson, and uh, the other lesson that you usually learn in a short-term competition is that when teams like that lose, it's usually a really hot goaltender in, in a game that that, uh, that burns them, and I think we saw that with Yaroslav Askarov uh, in that semifinal game. So uh, Certainly, it was a really, really exciting team to watch. The scouts were all over them. There's a ton of talent there, a ton of long-term uh, prospects there as well, and then obviously the high-end talent that that uh, pushed their pace the entire time
5: Cole Caulfield named uh, the tournament MVP what a, a tournament he had 14 goals in uh, just seven games uh, finished second in tournament scoring to a couple behind Jack Hughes maybe we'll start with him and if if the, the question is who raised their stock the most uh, might it be Cole Caulfield with his performance?
0: No question. No question at all. I mean, obviously the only knock on this guy is that he's a little bit shorter. Um, I don't like calling him a small player because he's, he's got a pretty good build to him uh, and he doesn't play a small player's game. Uh, he, he goes to the areas. He knows how to score. He beats guys one-on-one. He wins battles. Uh, he definitely uh, Im- impressed the most Uh, and stood out the most uh, throughout the tournament. As talented as Jack Hughes is uh, as the playmaker, uh, the the way Cole Caulfield was able to finish plays and score goals um, is unbelievably impressive and and so valuable at the next level. Uh, So certainly uh, not just impressive at this particular level, but I think turned a lot of heads of NHL scouts and really raised his stock uh, and probably quieted some of the questions about whether he was a, a smaller player or just a shorter player. And I think he's now, everyone knows he's not uh, a smaller player he's just he's just a shorter player but what he can do with the puck the way he changes his angle of his shot so quickly so subtly sometimes uh is so deceptive uh, and just a pure goal scorer one of the better pure goal scorers we've seen in the last few drafts and there's been some guys that have come in the nhl and made an impact pretty quick so this is a kid that's got some potential to put some numbers on the board at the next level similar
5: to like an alex De type of player
0: uh i think a lot of people give him that comparison uh i like the comparison with cam atkinson maybe a little bit more okay um but certainly there is some of that element of the Brinket, obviously in the hands and the hand speed uh, and what he can do um but his shooting mindset uh and just how he changes the angle how he executes off the rush he's got a few different dynamic points that he can release from um really reminds me a lot of a guy like cam Cam atkinson
5: all right let's go to jack hughes then uh, led the tournament in scoring with 20 points and uh, I think most people do expect he's uh, the number one guy uh, in June. Um, any difference for you? Is that uh, the way you feel too?
0: Oh, certainly. I don't think that that changes. Um, obviously, there are some guys that are pushing him a little bit more. But when you watch Hughes, and, and it's always the case with the top prospect, when you have that opportunity to go and uh, watch him, usually you get excited first and then you watch them a few more times and you start to dissect them. Mm. And I think you know that always happens. It's always a little bit of a case. and We've seen that with Hughes, but I think he quieted a lot of critics with his play uh, in this event. And certainly we'll obviously have the opportunity to see him again here um, before the draft um, if he can... Get into some games there with the with the U.S. national team in the World Championships, but uh, his speed, his skating ability, um, his ability to drive play from the outside uh, is unbelievable. And then uh, his vision, his playmaking instinct is is absolutely elite. And there is nobody that challenges him on that within this draft. Uh, his ability to create speed, push the pace of play for for uh, the offensive attack is outstanding and I mean obviously one of the things that we start to dissect is the fact that those guys put up such good numbers Caulfield and Hughes together um, we never really get to see them apart and how they execute apart and, and you always kind of have that wonder about whether one guy or both of the guys actually amplify uh, the other one but I think you know the case with the playmaker a, a catalyst the guy that makes things happen Hughes creates offense from every part of the ice if he gets a turnover in his own slot he's down the ice and it's a dangerous play the second that it touches his stick in his own slot so his ability to execute off the rush his ability to set up power plays his ability to create from the perimeter and zone play uh is the kind of thing that really is easy to project uh at that next level because uh it's it's so elite it's so natural to him uh, and the speed that he can do it at um, is already nhl caliber
5: and size not really a concern i mean he's not the biggest guy in the world either but uh, you're going to look past that just because of everything else he brings to the table
0: I think so. Again, you, you wouldn't necessarily consider him a smaller guy. Um, maybe by you know the, the old-school standards, he, he would be. Um, but this is a guy, he doesn't get pushed around because nobody can catch him. Hmm. Uh, and his efficiency is so good. He's so strong on his edges that even when guys do get a hold of him physically, he's able to spin off. He gets on his inside edge, his outside edge so quickly. And there's such power and ex- explosivity there that uh, there's really no, no reason to fear that. He's not the kind of guy that you're going to want in the slot area, and in, in the net presence kind of role, trying to trying to win battles. He's the guy that's going to create or be that opportunistic goal scorer. Um, what I really like about him is his ability to execute off the backhand. Guys try and limit uh, his ability to get a shot on his forehand, but he loves his backhand, and it's really good. It might be the best backhand I've seen in a prospect since Pavel Datsuk.
5: Wow. All right. We'll watch for that. Uh, Matthew Boldy is a big power forward, 6'2", and closing in on 200 pounds. I've had him on the show this year and enjoyed that conversation uh, and he finished what third in tournament scoring uh, so I'm assuming uh, he turned some heads too.
0: Absolutely. I mean this is a guy even from the uh, rigged get-go of this year I noticed him in the uh, All-American Prospects game and he's been one of my favorite guys all year. I've been tracking him all year uh, just because of how well he stood out uh, within that game but I think he's one of the most dynamic players. Uh, this is a guy that puts up points and doesn't play on the line with uh, Hughes and, and Caulfield. He, he does it himself. Uh, he gets out there on the power play, so obviously uh, he's an impact there. But he's a guy, again, he can kind of do a little bit more. He can take the puck to the net. Uh, he's very good at driving uh, play from the outside. He's very good at getting into the physical battles, uh, but he's very disciplined as well. Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about you know, how he's kind of a Mark Stone, uh, Matthew Chuck type player, and he does have a lot of those instincts. But I think he's very different. He actually might be able a little bit quicker than those guys maybe gives a little bit uh up in terms of power and, and rough play um, but the discipline aspect of it is is actually quite impressive uh, but this is definitely a guy that someone's getting a steal even if he goes third overall he's a steal at third overall i think he's arguably my favorite prospect in this draft uh that uh, not a lot of people seem to be talking about but looks like he's going to be able to be a, an impact player at the next level
5: so you would consider matthew boldy that
0: high I, honestly, I wouldn't be upset if uh, if I'm a fan of a team and you end up taking Matthew Bowley third overall. Wow. I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be upset at all. I don't think there's, there's a lot uh, a difference between um, him and, and Kako and then him and some of the guys that we've been talking about uh, also that rank in that top five. So, um, no, I really wouldn't be upset if this was a guy. I, I don't think he gives much up, and I think that there's a lot of potential for him to continue to grow because as much as he's already a bit of a power forward, He's still fairly slight for his size. There's still a ton of room to build on his frame. This is going to be a guy that has the opportunity to be an absolute beast.
5: Dylan Cousins, now will go to some of the Canadian guys. Power forward as well, had nine points in this tournament, and obviously the, the numbers that Canada put up uh, weren't as explosive as, as the U.S. squad, but here's another guy who could go anywhere from probably, I don't know, in the top, Five to top ten. Anyway, if he's not if he's not gone in the in the top ten, I'd be surprised. Put it that way. Um, tell me about Dylan Cousins in this tournament and what you think of him overall.
0: So I thought he had a bit of a slow start to the tournament, um, and then he he exploded for a big five point game, six point game. I can't remember what it was, but it was a it was a big it was a big game. And then from there, he seemed to have some confidence, seemed to figure out the international game a little bit more. And I thought he was very good uh in the playoff round um to to begin with i think there was a lot of people looking for more from him um he's not the kind of guy who makes things happen on his own very often um he does look like he's going to be a very good complementary player but to me he looks more like a longer term prospect that if you're drafting him in the high rounds um obviously there's going to be some expectations there but he's going to he's still got He's still got some marinating to do. He's still got some stuff to figure out. Um, He stands out because he has very, very explosive feet, very, very explosive hands, but he has the tendency to kind of overhandle the puck at times, turn away from plays when he can actually probably take the puck to the net a little bit quicker and make a little bit more decisive uh, plays with the puck. Um, But I thought, In this tournament, when he started to uh, get to play with Dayton Krebs, things started to kind of change for him a little bit. And uh, that's something that, you know, obviously when you look at the next level, when you can actually put a player with another player that has some skill and that amplifies their own skill set i think that's something that that speaks well um if you're looking if you're if you're okay with having a, a, a complimentary player and i really feel that like that's how he's going to project he's going to project as a complimentary player which there's nothing wrong with you need those guys they're important and some of those guys put up big numbers because they fit so well with other guys and they can adapt their games to fit with guys so um definitely there's some really, really nice elements of his game that stand out. And he can he can really blow you away right away when you watch him because there's great power, uh, very, very explosive, and his hands are very, very quick. Um, but he hasn't quite figured out how to use all of those things against, the, I feel, the top-level competition to, to really kind of separate himself uh, and be one of those catalyst-type players. So uh, I agree with you. I think if he falls out of the top 10, um, someone's getting a steal. But I, I I know there's a lot of people who are talking about him kind of in that three to five range, and I I don't feel that he's quite necessarily um, in there with how well some of these other guys have developed through the year.
5: You mentioned uh, a slow start in the tournament for him. I wonder just uh, comparing. I mean, the U.S. team gets to play together for two full years, basically. Is it reasonable to to look at at a team like Canada that's all piecemealed thrown together, and maybe expect a a, a slow start? Does that kind of go into consideration?
0: Well, I think we see that every year. Um, And it's not just the players, you know, it's the coaching staff as well. Uh, The coaching staff has to mesh together and they have different ideas. And and Hockey Canada does a very good job of getting those guys together in camps beforehand. And they get lots of notice about uh, what they're doing in a camp like this. It's it's difficult because you've got a few guys on the radar and you have to kind of wait to see what happens and which coaches are going to be available and then try and put them together. So sometimes uh, that affects the players as well in terms of the chemistry that they can have, because you need that chemistry from your coaching staff first to... To sort of push that into those guys. Then you have your, you know, exceptional players that are going to amplify the ability of everybody. Those are the ones you really, really want to watch. Uh, so, uh, obviously, that's that's certainly an issue, but. At the, at the expectation for players at this level that have played um, in international events before um, or that have had this experience is that they got to figure that out quick. There's got to be that performance-on-demand aspect to it. Um, there's got to be that ability to adapt. And, and if you don't see that ability to adapt or it takes a little bit longer, well, that's information. That's very valuable information because it's not an issue with everybody, but with some guys it really is.
5: Well, and Peyton Krebs is one of those players who, uh, quite frankly, Going into the top prospect game in Red Deer earlier this year, he he'd yet to wow me to some degree because every time I saw uh, Kootney come through Edmonton, they didn't they were terrible and he didn't really have a whole lot of success against the Oil Kings. But at that game, playing with other talented players, he was one of the best guys on the ice. Here he leads Canada in scoring, so maybe is that sort of an example you're talking about where Peyton Krebs is a player who shows he's got the ability to play with other talented players and uh, sort of. A gel come together really quickly,
0: absolutely. You know, I think the thing with Peyton Krebs is he makes everybody around him better. Um, he thinks the game so well, he's so intelligent, um, he's got great character to him, guys love playing with him, they love being around him, um, and he takes it very, very seriously, and that is that is something that bounces throughout the whole lineup. Um, so there's no question why he was, you know, named the captain. Uh, but again, you know, I think early in the tournament, Canada did what they could to try and, especially with Suzuki getting injured in the first game, they did what they could to try and put together at least three lines that could create offense for them. Um, and so, you know, he found himself um, playing with Holloway, which is a great story because obviously uh, Holloway is uh, billeting with Krebs's parents while he played in Okotoks this year. Um, so there was that kind of connection. I think everybody was looking for that element of it, Um, but really what happened was when they took him off that line um, and put him with Cousins. It gave Cousins that opportunity to pick up his game. And then uh, with Tomasino joining and putting him uh, with, with Holloway, uh, that created the line there that really had uh, an identity and created and pushed play for, for Canada. So, you know, that's the great thing about Krebs is that he's able to kind of play up and down the lineup. Um, obviously, people talk about him and think about that playmaking effort that, that he can bring and those instincts that he has. Um, but I look at him very much as a, almost uh, in the same kind of mold as a Sam Reinhardt, Patrice Bergeron type player, where he's able to kind of fit into a few different roles and make players around him uh, quite a bit better. Uh, you know, we talk about um, his performance in, in the Western League this year, and he had a, he had a tall order in terms of um, trying to make, trying to, trying to bring out some of the talent of some of the guys. There was a lot of times where I watched this year where it really was, it seemed like he had to do everything. Um, and that can wear on a guy a little bit, and especially night in night out in a grueling schedule, especially with the travel that's associated with the western league uh but he is definitely one of those guys that that amplifies and you can see it in a tournament like this where you know even some of his his points were you know those empty net goals there's a an own goal by the other team um in the in the final there uh, the semi final sorry quarterfinal with latvia uh Uh, but he's the kind of guy that finds himself in those positions that that really when the game's on the line he's one of the guys that you want his intelligence out there you want him out there working with the other players because he is going to inspire those guys and he's going to raise the level of play and he's also going to be able to amplify their skill set so there's certainly a lot there um, and I definitely believe he's one of the better value picks in the top 10 of the draft Uh, I've seen a lot of projections that have him kind of in the sort of 8 to 12 range Uh, so But there's somebody there that's going to get a very, very intelligent player with good character uh, that has that ability to play up and down the lineup and fit into almost every single organization that's out there right now.
5: Ross McLean, a longtime scout, uh, formerly with uh, Hockey Canada for a while as well. Uh, He's back on the Pipeline show. Uh, Alex Newhook is a guy I think everybody had an interest to see what he would do at this level, surrounded by uh, his peers here for the NHL draft after going through the BCHL didn't get to play at the Hlunka Gretzky Cup, uh, last summer. Uh, so what sort of, uh, performance did he have?
0: He was outstanding. I thought, uh, out of anybody on Canada, uh, he raised his stock the most. Uh, his intelligence, uh, offensively, his ability with the puck, uh, there was a real wow factor with his game uh he created a lot and he, cre- he was really good at winning pucks um at, at really trying to push the possession game for Canada made quick decisive plays was dangerous around the net was just buzzing all over the place every game you, you noticed him he was somewhere uh he was making things happen and, and I, w- I was really really impressed with him he made his way into the top power play unit uh the, the touch that he has on the puck he's able to really kind of put a hard Hard touch on it at times, but then he's able to soften it and make really good finesse plays as well. Uh, he was a guy coming into it. Um, I think his stock had dropped a little bit, even though he had dominated in the BCHL. Uh, but coming into the year, he was a guy everybody wanted to talk about. And then as we got into kind of World Junior A and so on, I think people were a little disappointed. But there's, there was absolutely nothing to be disappointed about from his performance in this event. Uh, he was absolutely outstanding and he stood out all the time. So I feel like he did himself some really really big favors uh come draft day here and it's definitely moved himself into uh, the second half of the first round i believe uh
5: let's move, go to alex turcott back to a, a u.s player but a guy who uh, missed a lot of time this year so any uh any chances people could get their eyes on him was probably a good thing uh he had nine points in this event you know compared to some of the other guys that we've talked about he's another one that's in that mix for the top 10 maybe top 15 uh, where does he fall in that mix for you and, and what did he show you in sweden
0: he is one of those guys that people either love him or they really love him. Um, a, a very, very good two-way player. Uh, excellent outside speed. Really good protection mechanics. Drives possession. Uh, does a lot right. Does a lot of little things right. Um, I've seen him ranked anywhere from uh, fourth overall to kind of tenth overall. Uh, and he is, I think, going to be the wild card of that first part of the first round. It'll be really interesting to see uh, who who goes after him. Um, I see him very much kind of in that same breath as we talked about Peyton Krebs here earlier, that he has that kind of potential, a lot of a uh, similar mindset for the game, um, really likes the perimeter of the ice and creating from the perimeter of the ice, but he's also a guy just away from the puck. He just always seems to be in the right spot when a rebound kicks out somewhere, when a puck bounces off of these pads, he just always seems to know where to be. And that's a, that's a pretty valuable skill that's really hard to evaluate in guys. But when somebody is just consistently there all the time you just got to say hey this guy has either some serious puck luck or he really gets the game that well that he really knows where to be and where the puck's going all the time so that's something i think that a lot of times he finds himself in those situations where he's able to be uh, opportunistic and that really stands out Uh, but the skill level for him to create is also there some opportunistic guys are just opportunistic guys they just happen to be those guys that are you know, able to put in a, a, a puck that somebody else does all the work. But he has kind of that dynamic ability to do both. So there's definitely some real interest uh, in his skill set, and it'll be really interesting to see uh, where he ends up here, uh, definitely in the first half of the first round.
5: Now, Bowen Byram, I think, is uh, the top defenseman available this year. I, I haven't heard anybody really suggest uh, otherwise. I'd be surprised if you told me differently. He was not the U18s because he's been lighting up the WHL playoffs. Uh, since then, still going in the final here with the Vancouver Giants. Of the other defensemen, the guys who were at the U18s, were there two or three guys who who um, uh, made it known that they deserve at least consideration uh, at the high end of the draft this year? Who would those guys be?
0: Uh, absolutely i you know I, I definitely agree with you that uh Bowen Byram is far and away the most elite defense prospect uh in this draft to me um he kind of fits in that conversation at third overall uh and you know especially when you look at the teams uh in that in that area that have those picks currently uh which fit really really well um in those organizations. Um, but the, uh, Philip Broberg is usually a guy that's mentioned kind of in the in the same conversation with him and maybe the guy that's the closest to him. Uh, there still is a bit of a gap between them, but in terms of a guy that's able to kind of do a little bit of it all, create some scoring, he did really well this tournament and showcased himself well uh, in that sense. Started out a little bit slower, um, but by the end of it, I think everybody was talking about him uh, and, and really was kind of a catalyst in Sweden's success during this event. Uh, his ability and his confidence was the puck to rush it up ice, create zone entries, is phenomenal. Uh, he's a big body. He's strong. He's almost like a power forward play in defense at times. And uh, just his, his, his ability to create things from the point uh, is certainly something that, obviously, uh, scouts look for, that teams really want. Uh, and, and there's still a lot of room for him to, to get stronger, uh, to get better, uh, to get a little bit uh, more explosive laterally, but still very, very strong skill set. The other guy that really kind of stood out in this event uh, in terms of defensemen that I thought raised his stock quite a bit and maybe hushed a few of the conversations um, was Thomas Harley with Canada. I thought Thomas Harley had a great event. he really was the most dynamic defenseman uh, on Canada, and when he was out there, uh, his play with the puck at the line, uh, teams found it really hard to keep him in check. They found it really hard to stop him from walking the line, from creating space, from from making lanes at the point. And when teams are struggling to have that kind of ability at this level, uh, you can tell that a player's got something there. So you know, I think Thomas Harley really, really, and the, the points aren't necessarily um, as, as wowing as, as you think for a guy that's able to do that kind of stuff but he was really getting a lot of things started for Canada Um, I think Canada also had a couple of guys I really loved the play of um, Buklyevich and Korsak they especially when paired together uh, they really looked like a an unbelievable shutdown pair uh both those guys are warriors they get in lanes really well they got loaded to nice space they're really hard to play against around the net and they, they moved the puck up ice they both made simple offensive plays they knew their role they knew their limitations and i thought both of them had really really good uh events as well and probably uh teams looking for strong defensive defensemen with good size good upper body strength um and some dynamic skating, some power, uh, those guys will definitely be, uh, I think, pushing themselves up just from the way that they uh, matched up against some of the better guys during this event.
5: There's another defenseman I wanted to touch on in uh, Vlad Kolyachanok, who played in the uh, OHL with the Flint Firebirds this year. He played for Belarus at the, at the U18s and uh, had five points in five games. Uh, I had somebody this year tell me he's the best Belarusian player, period, and will be the best Belarusian player, period. And I I know it's not a major hockey power in the world, but do you buy into the hype? Is is did he show you enough there to to be considered, uh, you know, a top top prospect like that?
0: The hype was real with him. The only reason Belarus had success in this event was because of him. Uh, He was so dynamic. He looked like a man amongst boys. To be honest, watching it uh, in a lot of the games, he looked like the guy that was the most NHL-ready a lot of times. Uh, This physical maturity that he had, uh, he he was playing every second shift for Belarus, and he never looked like he got tired at all. Uh, Dynamic skater, very explosive, to some great hands, some great offensive instincts. Takes care of himself in the own end. Does his job. Um, but he, uh, he absolutely was, uh, and he's definitely a guy that in that in the breath with the top defenseman in this tournament, um, he really fit. And you know, if he was playing, if if his last name wasn't Koya Shonuk and it was Schneider, uh, you know, this is a guy that we're probably talking about a lot more. Uh, because he really did. He looked like a man amongst boys there. Uh, He really pushed the pace of play for Belarus and dominated for them. He was a real leader, and I would 100% agree um, with that. He may be one of the best Belarusian players we've ever seen uh, that has the opportunity to kind of continue to push forward. But he looks very, very close to NHL already, already, so... A very impressive uh, development path for him. Uh, and the, the CHL top prospects game, he stood out, but yeah. he stood out kind of for looking like maybe he was trying to do a little bit too much. And this one, he looked. This event, he looked very confident, very calm, uh, and was exceptionally smooth.
5: Uh, Ross, I'm going to ask you about some guys who maybe didn't put up big numbers, but that doesn't always necessarily mean that they didn't have good tournaments, uh, and I maybe the poster child for that is Vasily put goals in, who only had four points, and for a guy who does get a lot of top five attention, probably expected more production than that from him, but did he have a bad tournament?
0: I don't think he had a bad tournament by any stretch of the imagination. What I saw with him was uh, a certain development uh, in terms of things that were questions about him coming out of juniors, coming out of U18s. Uh, He showed some real leadership. He showed some real discipline in this event. Uh, Still very much a a pesky, pest, tenacious type player uh, that has offensive potential. Uh, And that's where he kind of fits. He's got a little bit of kind of a Brad Marchand to him. But in this event, he really actually showcased – some real strong discipline and some real good team play uh and that was kind of the knock on him at least that i had uh watching him from some of the other events was that he had a little bit of that sort of typical russian emotion to him when a lot of these guys this is not a a typical russian group uh this group is very disciplined uh high skill but very gritty they look more like a, a Finnish team than they do a russian team and you know with him as the leader of that um i think he actually worked on actually playing a role with this team and, and a lot of guys. And we saw that with a couple of guys because they've got, you know, a high end player that, that was really high, I think led the tournament in scoring uh, last year or, or and, and Daniel Gushkin, And he played a role as well. So to see those guys kind of buy into that, you can see how they were able to, to beat a team like the U S was they had these star players that were buying into a team game. And we haven't seen that from a Russian group, uh, like full through their lineup in a while. So, and this is, this was the guy that was the captain. So I think he deserves a lot of credit for that adaptation and that development. The skill still there. It didn't go anywhere. The offensive ability is still there. It didn't go anywhere, but he, he checked himself a little bit to try and play this team game, to try and beat some of these teams that, Russia felt like they might have been outmatched against. And, and we saw that. They they upset, again, arguably probably the the furthest ahead skill gap team I have maybe ever seen in this event. They beat them. And that was on solid goaltending, but it was also on really good character uh, and and team play. And, you know, you've got to say something about the captain who takes a little bit off of his offense to create something like that. We've seen that at the NHL level. There are guys that are high-end NHL scorers for years and years and years, but it's not until... They take a little bit off of that that they find team success. So to have a young kid like this, at least appear to have made that decision, um, I think speaks volumes to uh, one of the knocks on him as he went into this event was that hey, this could be a difficult character to uh, to handle. But you know, if he's able to do this in an event like that and have some success, th- there's probably some people now that are going to say, okay, you know what? I'm confident I can work with this guy to do it at the NHL level too. And he's going to fit into a lineup very well.
5: How about Jacob Pelche? No goals in the tournament uh, and just two assists. Disappointing?
0: I wouldn't say so. Again, he stood out in every game, um, ended up kind of playing the third line role. Saw a lot of time with, um, with uh, Holloway and Tomasino. And I thought they were an exceptional third line. They created a ton of momentum. Every game where Canada seemed to be uh, maybe losing a little bit of steam, that line would come out and they would grab it back for them. Um, and I thought he was a catalyst for that. Uh, the talent that he has, the skill level, uh, is incredible. He reminded me actually a lot of, uh, Cole Caulfield and you got go watch Caulfield one day and watch Peltier the next day. And you would see a lot of the same similar thought process, the same, uh, skill set, the same quickness. Uh, they look very, very similar. And obviously, you know, one guy put in a ton of points and the other guy didn't, but the other guy I felt ended up having to play a role while Caulfield was out every second shift on power plays and they didn't take him off the ice when they were up, up big. They kept trying to get those guys to score. So, you know, I think Pelletier proved that he's a little bit more versatile, um, at this event. And, uh, I think early in the event, he he, uh, bobbled the puck quite a bit and missed some chances, put a couple off the post. But as the tournament went on, he kind of found his role and seemed accepting of it. And I really like that when we see high-end skill guys come over to these events and are accepting of their role so um, I think he showed some character I don't think that he hurt himself at all in terms of uh, displaying his skill I'm really really high on this player I think he's got a really bright future and uh, I think some of the stuff that he he showed uh, especially his play in small areas uh, was really really strong in this event and the stuff they hadn't seen from him before so came in here showed some new things Um, obviously we would like to see him put up some more points because usually that's what everyone looks at at the end of this but Mm -hmm. I think the potential is still there Um, so I was really really happy with uh, what I saw from him in this event
5: well that's why I asked the question and frame it that way because points don't always mean that a guy had a bad tournament or played poorly but uh, uh, without seeing the games um, that's why I ask Uh, with Finland we haven't really touched on anybody from Finland at all did they have um, a, a performance or two, a, a couple of guys that that stood out for them that uh, um, that caught the attention for scouts for this year.
0: Uh, for this year, uh, there was a few guys that uh, they're watching that were kind of sort of your mid mid round prospects, uh, maybe maybe a couple second rounders. Uh, their team was really driven by uh, their underage players. Yeah. Um, they have a couple late birthdays and they have some O twos, and they were the ones that really really dominated for that team. And really when the team started to get going, were the ones that, that made things happen. Um, the one player, I think that, um, everybody wanted to watch the most on their team for this year's draft was, uh, was Billy Hanela, and, uh, defenseman. Uh, and, and he, again, also, I think, you know, this kid played world juniors, everybody expected that he was going to put up some more points, create a little bit more, but never really found himself in the opportunities, um, to do that, to put up a, a bunch of points. Um, but we did see, uh, from him, his vision was, was apparent, uh, he was using really good, uh, well-placed shots and good subtle deception at the line to create lanes, uh, and, and push pucks towards the net. He had a lot of plays where, uh, he was getting pucks to the net and guys were just, were just missing at the opportunities. So, um, I think he played pretty well. Um, I would say that he probably didn't necessarily help or hurt his his draft stock, um, but you could see uh, some of the, the potential there and some of the things that we've liked about him in the past. Um, I thought he was excellent in uh, Ivan Holinka, um, Holinka Gretzky, sorry, and, uh, but uh, in this event, uh, he didn't really stand out as much, but was still very, very good.
5: Uh, let's look at goaltenders before we uh, wrap it up. Um, and I know Spencer Knight seems to be everybody's favourite to, to be the first goalie taken in the draft, and he did play uh, the most games I think for the U.S. in the, in the tournament. Although Cameron Rowe got a couple of uh, games in, um, is Spencer Knight the best goalie in the draft?
0: He is, and to be honest, he might be the best goalie in the last few drafts. Uh, his composure is outstanding the way he sees the game he is so calm he is so confident and and it doesn't border on you know arrogant or cocky he's he's just very confident in his abilities he does all the right things he's an excellent puck tracker he's got great habits plays the puck very well there's obviously that highlight that kind of made the runs around where he he faked playing the puck and then brought it out in front of his own net as four checker was coming on him when he was the last man back but that's the kind of confidence he has. he is cool as a cucumber all the time uh, and you can't really fault him for uh, really any any of the bad stuff that happened with the U.S. He His potential is outstanding. Um, I am not a guy, and I have been very vocal in the past about not drafting goaltenders early in the draft, but well, this is a guy, again, that if you're taking him in the top 10, um, I think he's got great long-term potential, and there are a couple teams that, uh, that in that uh, first little bit that have some goaltending uh, problems, uh, in their organization moving forward but this is a guy i think is going to have a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a heart type uh um like carter heart type development where he's going to be able to play uh, as a pretty young goaltender um and 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 make an impact for a team uh, but i also think he's going to be a really valuable chip for any team uh that maybe wants to trade for an established goaltender uh to have in the organization, I think he's one of the best U.S. goaltenders um, that I've seen in a long, long time. So uh, definitely worth the hype. Definitely a guy that uh, is going to go in the first round, and uh, I, I'm I'm not going to shake my head at it like I usually do when teams take a goal in the first round.
5: Well, I know uh, there are some uh, other good goaltenders available this year that weren't at the U18s. Hunter Jones, Matt Sogard, they they weren't there. Uh, of the other goaltenders who were at the U18s in Sweden. And are eligible this year. Who else stood out?
0: Well, I mean, when you talk about the the other goaltenders at this event that uh, that, that really stood out, I mean, obviously Askarov was probably the the one. And to me, kind of, I could say almost all the same things that I said about Spencer Knight about him. But we can save that for next year because right. he's not eligible until next year. Um a lot of the other goaltenders really kind of struggled to find that consistency. Um, Certainly guys had good games Taylor Gautier was excellent against Latvia, um, but had some other games where, you know, his emotion and his, and his control were a little bit off. um, And I think people noticed that, but then the fact that he could come into a game uh, where the pressure was on and, have the performance that he did when the, the team in front of him laid a bit of an egg, um, I think helped him a ton. And I think actually speaks to sort of the level uh, that Taylor Gauthier can play at uh, that when the games get tough, this is a guy that's just unbelievably invested and competitive. Uh, sometimes that can get away from him and, in, in in you know, the regular season type games. But when you get into the playoff, he was, he was excellent. It was like a different guy when he got into the net and that, and uh, I think he inspired confidence. Um, outside of that, um most of the other goaltenders aren't eligible until next year. Uh you know, the other goaltender that I thought uh showcased himself uh quite well um, was uh and actually sorry he is he is available was Halavaj uh, from uh Slovakia. Um he was he was excellent. Uh, the team in front of him uh was quite weak, but uh he was making unbelievable save after unbelievable save and kept them uh, into closer games uh, than than they probably should have been, uh, as the, their their decor was was a little bit uh, left a little bit to be desired, and uh, he was having to face a lot of two on os, a lot of backdoor plays. Uh, and kept games really tight. I think you put him on other teams. I think, um, I think he outplayed the Canadian goalies. And if you have him on Team Canada, um, they probably do a little bit better in the event. I think he outplayed Swedish goalies. Um, Hugo Almfeld was the other, um, kind of big name, uh, goalie, uh, that was here. And, and he was, he was a little bit inconsistent as well. I think he was good. I think he was better than average, uh, but didn't really do a whole lot to really raise his stock or, prove that he's kind of a a a next level um prospect so um goaltending in this event was was quite difficult to evaluate at times um because there were some good goalies on some bad teams and then there were some some average goalies that were made to look pretty good on some good teams um and and i really kind of felt that that was sort of the case with with on
5: well, I didn't get around to asking about Trevor Zegris or Jamison Reese or Brayden Tracy or Max Chaikovich or Bobby Brink. I mean, there's a lot of uh, guys I wanted to touch on, uh, but we'll save it for another time. Uh, was there somebody else that I should ask you about or that you're wishing I'd ask you about because he's a bit of a uh, a sleeper for you or something like that? Somebody that kind of stood out and caught your eye at this event?
0: Uh, One of the guys that I really liked at this event, and there was a few really good underagers that I'd like to touch on. One of the guys that's available for this draft that I'd really like to, that I like to touch on was Samuel Poulin for Canada. Uh, This is a guy that every time I watch him shows something, he's got something, there's some power there, good face-off ability, uh, very, very good vision, excellent quick cuts with the puck, uh, strong, strong possession guy, good shooter, highly offensively intelligent. And I think this is a guy mostly played fourth line minutes, saw some second power play unit time, uh, in the event with Canada. But this is a guy that's, I think he's got some great long-term potential. Um, he reminds me a little bit, almost at times, he's got a little bit of Patrick Marlowe to him. Um, and so I think he's, he's going to be a little bit of a sleeper every time I've watched him, even um, at the Hockey Canada camps, He's always stood out. He's always been able to do something that uh, kind of wows, that makes you say, oh, this is, a, this is a guy that gets the game. He really, really understands it. So there's him. And then the other guy that I really want to talk about was uh, um, Hugo Haas, Martin Hugo Haas from the Czech Republic, I think he was awesome in this event. I loved him at uh, Linka Gretzky, uh, and I think he's a, a, an unheralded player uh, for this draft. Big defenseman, uh, can do a little bit of everything, um, but is highly competitive. Good character, stands up for his teammates, dominates his own net front, has a big shot from the point. Um, those are two guys that I think, you know, not a lot of people talked about coming out of this event, but really, really have something to their game that I think, you know, they're going to be players.
5: All right, Martin Hugo Haas from uh, the Czech Republic. We'll keep an eye on him as well. As always, Ross, uh, terrific to catch up once again, and uh, definitely expect a call before the uh, NHL draft uh, rolls around for sure, okay?
0: Love it. I'm so happy to be back on the show.
5: That's uh, old friend Ross McLean. He's not old, but uh, we've been friends for uh, a long time. I, honestly, must go back to season two of the Pipeline Show, maybe season three. Uh, and he used to. He was living in Calgary. I think he still does. He would drive up uh, to sit in studio with Dino and I as we would do uh, our um, like our two hour draft preview special and things like that. It was always fantastic when he was uh, uh, available uh, to come and uh, sit in with us. And uh, so it was great to catch up with him once again. All right, from here we go with three back to back 2019 draft spotlight segments. The first will be with a, a WHL or a CHLer. So it will be our CHL Insider uh, segment, uh, which is always brought to you by the store next door. They are out in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. It's a charitable organization that uh, employs people with disabilities. And what they do at the store next door is they collect broken hockey sticks and they transform those sticks into pieces of furniture, whether it's things you can put on your wall. I like picture frames or uh, uh, clocks or ornamental things, Uh, or you can get tables or chairs or benches. Uh, You can get picnic tables. It's just there's so much that they are able to to make out of broken hockey sticks. It's the charitable aspect that I uh, am attracted by. Um, So I I think it's a heck of a a thing that they're doing uh, for their community and for uh, the the community that, uh, for people who have disabilities in the community. Uh, Fantastic. I know the Edmonton Oil Kings are about to or have uh, sent out a a bunch of broken sticks that they collected uh, during the playoffs. Uh, If you're in the Edmonton area, you can take your broken sticks, clean out your shed, or your garage, uh, and take them to United Sport and Cycle. Uh, They have a collection uh, drop-off area as well, and they'll ship them out uh, to Nova Scotia, so you don't have to worry about the cost. It's uh, a great cause to get behind and highly recommend you check out storenextdoor.ca. Check out their catalog, and and you can see for yourself uh, all the things that uh, they have for sale. Maybe we'll get some details on that in uh, the near future. All right, but first up, let's uh, flick on the 2019 draft spotlight. Adam Beckman of the Spokane Chiefs, he's up first here on the Pipeline Show.
0: Comes back out to Yamamoto at the point. Goes over to Ellenick right circle. Now Smith at the point. Yamamoto left side shoots and scores!
2: Hi, this is Kylie Yamamoto for the Spokane Chiefs, and you are listening to
1: The Pipeline Show.
0: Going day to day. Nothing compares to the smile on
1: a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help, too view the wishes refer a child and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today
0: you're listening to the pipeline show that's right now say my name with Gee flaming you're goddamn right
5: we are back on the Pipeline Show. This is uh, Guy Flaming, and we are going to turn on the 2019 draft spotlight. Uh, we've been doing it all year, uh, chatting with players who are in their draft-eligible el- season, and uh, so is my next guest, who uh, his season just came to an end uh, not that long ago. Uh, pleased to be joined now by Adam Beckman of the Spokane Chiefs. Uh, Adam, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are things? Really good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Uh, in fact, uh, a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. I'd Planned on uh, chatting with you a couple of weeks ago, but the uh, the playoff schedule was just so tight we couldn't get uh, a time set up. So uh, I'm glad that I can chat with you now. Although I know you'd rather be playing right now. Uh, tough to to be sitting on the outside uh, when you get the, to the semifinals in the WHL, and and now you're watching the finals. Or are you watching the finals? Uh, did he kind of put it out of your mind now?
4: Uh no. Obviously, it's, it's still there. Yeah, it still kind of hurts a little bit. You know, I wish we all wish we were there, but you know, it's it's cool to see. You know that the finals going on and see how it goes for sure. All
5: right, do you, can you cheer for the other Western Conference team, or uh, I mean, they knocked you out. So do you find yourself rooting for uh, Prince Albert? Uh, I know that you're a, a Saskatchewan guy, so I'm not sure where your loyalties lie.
4: Yeah, you know, I, I don't really lie with anyone. I'm just kind of on the fence here. Just uh, <laughs> you kind know. of like to watch it happen and see what happens that type of thing i'm not really rooting for anyone though. all
5: right um well outside of uh losing in the semi-final uh how do you feel about the, your performance uh, on a personal level and for the team uh during the playoffs uh, to get as deep as as your club did you guys were playing some pretty good hockey and beat some good teams
4: yeah i think you know we we beat a lot of teams that a lot of people didn't expect us to be kind of along the way we a lot of really good hockey throughout the playoffs uh personally i thought you know i had a pretty good playoffs obviously I got a lot of help from my teammates and stuff like that and I think overall we just we played really good and I think um, it was a lot unexpected for a lot of people outside of our group to kind of see how, how far we went
5: 12 points in uh, 15 playoff games for yourself uh, and that's pretty much the same scoring pace as you had in the regular season just a, a hair under a point per game did, did you find the the regular season and the playoffs differed a whole lot I mean we always talk about the how the style of play intensifies and things like that uh, did you find it uh, for yourself uh, as a guy that was actually in the games?
4: Uh, for sure. I, I think, like, obviously the speed probably doesn't change, but just the intensity changes. Everybody's kind of gripping their stick a little bit tighter, trying to make, you know, the, a really good play rather than, you know, just kind of playing a little less nonchalant. So, uh-huh. obviously, the intensity picks up quite a bit. But again, uh, it's hockey, it's, it's a lot of fun still.
5: Well this was uh, your first year in the Western Hockey League you ended the season as the second highest uh, scoring rookie in the WHL 62 points uh, in the regular season 32 of those were goals so uh, a pretty impressive season uh, as a 17 year old do you think that was an advantage for you and I mean you look at the the scoring leaders among rookies Braden Tracy up there as well and Christoph Arabica all 17 year olds um th- that extra year playing junior A did that help
4: Uh I actually played midget but um I think yeah i think it definitely did help like going back and kind of you know getting higher minutes rather than you know, maybe it out on a a lower role in a fifteen year old in the league so right. I definitely think that you know the decision to go back did help me a lot just kind of working on my skills and kind of putting myself in uh a more valuable position i guess
5: yeah last year was the battleford stars the uh, s m h l sorry not the not the the s j h l my bad um, now, how big of a jump was it for you to, to come to the WHL? Did, uh, was it a significant... Uh, did it take you a little while to get used to the, the, the change?
4: Yeah, um, I, played a, I played a game the year before, so I kind of knew, like, obviously it was, it was a lot more intense than playing midget and stuff like that. Hmm. Uh, I think coming in and, you know, starting off with, like, camp and then preseason, it kind of eases you into it just because the, the intensity kind of just picks up as the year goes on. And, like, I think at the start of the year, the intensity is... Or the the style of play is maybe not as uh, good as it as it gets you know towards the end of the year. So just kind of easing into it, I think, is what helped a lot.
5: And just that one game uh, dipping your toe into the WHO waters last year, one game was enough to kind of give you a bit of a heads up of what to expect.
4: Yeah, it just kind of was definitely eye opening. Just because you know playing midgets a lot different than in the Western Hockey. You guys are bigger, stronger, faster. Sure. And you, you know just to kind to watch it's a, a little different than to actually be on the ice and playing it. So. Playing it definitely uh, showed you know what it, it what's going to take to get to that next level.
5: Adam Beckman is my guest. He's a uh, forward with the Spokane Chiefs uh, out of the Western Hockey League. Uh, this is the 2019 draft spotlight. Uh, and uh, Adam, what we like to do in this part of the show is uh, allow my audience to get to know somebody that's in your shoes, being that it's your NHL draft season. And not everyone that's hearing this right now will follow be followers of the WHL uh, all that closely. People in the states or out east. Uh, so let's get a, a bit of background, if you don't mind. Where are you from?
4: I'm from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan.
5: And do you remember how old you were when you first started playing?
4: Uh, playing hockey probably like five or six. With skating and, and shooting pucks and stuff is probably you know three or four.
5: Okay, well that's uh, that's pretty normal, I would think. Uh, have you always been a yeah. forward? You're listed as a center. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, I've been forward all my life. Center, left wing, right, right. Uh Yeah, I guess this year did you play more on the wing in in uh, in your rookie season?
4: Yeah, I actually played on the wing pretty well the whole year. So kind of an adjustment
5: but center is kind of your natural position did it take you a little bit uh, to get comfortable playing on the wing
4: uh yeah i think yeah, obviously when you play center always growing up it's kind of like where you feel most comfortable but as you well, i think i got more comfortable on the wing so
5: probably that versatility is a good thing though isn't it uh, to be able to play yeah. both positions yeah i think so i think it's
4: important that you know you can you can adapt in different situations and stuff like that
5: uh, take me back to uh, the Bantam draft uh, back in 2016. You were taken in the uh, fifth round by the Spokane Chiefs uh, back then. Uh, I know when I talk to a lot of players, some of them will uh, have stayed home from school to follow it along or they'll be at school and maybe just uh, uh, tuning in uh, all via their phone or whatever. Um, what was draft day like for you? Uh, I, was,
4: I was at school, actually. It was like, kind of like a half-day type thing. so hmm. I uh, wasn't too focused on what was going on at school. I was kind of just on my phone. Watching what was going on, and uh, took, it took a little while for me to kind of finally get drafted. But once I did, it was it was pretty. Ha- I was pretty happy.
5: Now, as the draft is unfolding, did you have a sense on where you thought you would go, and and did you go before or after where you kind of uh, expected you might?
4: Um, you know what? I wasn't too sure. I was a smaller guy, so I think, like, whether or not I went, I could have went higher or I could have went lower, I wasn't exactly sure what was going to what was going to happen, and ultimately I was just kind of happy to get drafted at that time.
5: Okay. Uh, and Spokane, being that it was the Chiefs, and uh, obviously you'd be leaving the country, um, what were your thoughts about that? Excited, or does it feel like you are going uh, pretty far from home?
4: Yeah, um, obviously, kind of Spokane's a really nice city. I wasn't really sure at the time what it was like, um, but... It, and as soon as I got there at camp, I kind of realized how beautiful of a city it was, and it it, it felt like home, you know, even when I got there, so I, I mean, couldn't be more happy with how it worked out.
5: Uh, your first taste of uh, the WHL, uh, well, was the, the year previous with the the one game, but uh, coming to camp and, and uh, getting that experience and, and meeting the, the rest of the team and, and competing for a roster spot, um, what were your uh, your feelings going into camp? Did um did you have a lot of confidence you were going to be on the team? Did you have any kind of assurance that you'd be on the team as a seventeen year old?
4: Uh, I, I think that you know there was assurance, but at the same time, you just never know what's going to happen. Um, uh, you just got to kind of work through it and just kind of hopefully you know earn yourself a spot just to make sure. Um, I think you know I had a pretty good camp and my preseason was all right, and I kind of assured that I could kind of be a an impact player, and I think that's what worked out for me.
5: Coach Dan Lambert, uh, one of the, uh, more respected guys uh, around the WHL and junior hockey in general. Um, how, what kind of a, a coach is he to play for and how has he helped you become a better player?
4: Uh, he's an awesome coach. I think, you know, everybody in a room likes playing for him. He's really personal, boys. He's, he's a, he's a really, he's a student of the game. He, he knows the game really well. You know, anytime you got a guy that's personal and knows hockey, it, uh, it's a good combination for a good coach or a really good coach, I should say. Um, again yeah he he helped me a lot i think you know i improved immensely through from where i was at the start of the evening you know, a lot of that's you know, i owe to the coaching staff for sure
5: did your line mates change uh, throughout the season adam yeah i actually played kind
4: of like up and down the lineup pretty well the whole year so it definitely did change yeah
5: uh was there a couple of guys that you felt uh, the most chemistry with or something like that
4: yeah uh, i played with uh, you know ismark for a while uh, I uh, Got a lot of chemistry with him. Uh, a guy named Luke Smith mm-hmm. played with him for a little while. Uh, Riley Woods. All these are all really good players. So anytime you get to play with a good player, it's kind of it's kind of hard not to try and find chemistry or stuff like that. I guess.
5: Yeah, uh, I have to ask you about the draft. And uh, if it was during, you know, I imagine it's maybe a little different now that you're done playing and the draft is like a month and a half away. Uh, if you're thinking a, a lot about it, a lot more than you were. During the regular season, or were you the kind of guy that was always following along with the, uh, you know, the rankings and things like that during the course of the year?
4: Uh, I try to stay away from it just because, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because, you know, when it comes to the day, that's, that's good when it comes to the draft day. That's kind of everything's a shade and a lot of things can happen in between there. So I just try not to focus on it too much.
5: What about now that, uh, now that you're not playing, uh, anymore this year? I, I, did you, did you take time off at the, End of the playoff run for you guys, or did you get right back into the gym and kind of uh, have the uh, the NHL Combine in mind that you're working up for?
4: Yeah, I took a couple of days off, and it was weird. I'm good driving home and stuff like that, and then the rest of the weekend. But, you know, I'm back in the gym now, get ready for the Combine, <laughs> yeah. like you said there. Just, uh, I guess, like you said, I got right back in the gym, so... It's fun though, so uh, no rest oh, for the nice. wicked. <laughs> yeah,
5: ranked 34th overall uh, by NHL Central Scouting in North America. Uh, having uh, that number kind of uh, next to your name is that a uh, a motivator? Do you is it important for you to be a first rounder, or are you flattered by that number? How do you feel about ranked being ranked 34th?
4: Um, I don't know. I I don't know how exactly I feel about it. Obviously, you know, it's just a ranking, and you know, nothing happens till the draft actually happens. So I try not to. Use it as anything. Obviously, I'm um, just kind of I'm happy to have my name there, and it kind of motivates me in the gym just to you know continue to work hard, you know, to try and reach my goal.
5: Yeah, some teammates that have uh, gone through the draft process and uh, have been uh, chosen by NHL teams. Is that do you ever have a conversation with those guys to try to get their sense of what the experience is like?
4: Uh for sure. I actually drove home from Spokane with Ty Smith, so he kind of was talking about it a little bit, and then Jared Anderson, Dolan, obviously been through that and stuff, played a few NHL games, so. Those guys, uh, you know, if, if you have any questions, they're always there to, to talk about it. So that's pretty cool.
5: Well, for those fans uh, who are listening to this and, uh, maybe haven't had a chance to watch you play and being in the other conference from, uh, the Oil Kings, uh, part of the broadcast team for the Oil Kings, um, I don't get to see you play either. So, hey, can you give us a bit of a scouting report on yourself? I, I mean, we can look at the numbers and see you're obviously a goal scorer and an offensive guy, but might not be the entire picture. So how do you describe yourself as a player?
4: Uh, you know, I like to kind of describe myself as an exciting player to watch. Um, really offensive. I like to think I'm an offensive, talented player. It's kind of where I excel. I think uh, I can play 200 feet of the ice. You know, I can put in the D zone and stuff like that. But I think, you know, the offensive zone is where I excel.
5: Central scouting list, you had 6 foot and, uh, and 168 pounds. Are those the numbers accurate and up to date, or has it changed a bit?
4: Uh, I think I'm about 6'1 now, but uh, I think everything else is about the same, 170 pounds-ish. Type
5: thing. Okay, so a uh, time in the gym. Uh, I mean, that's obviously something I'm sure is on your to do list to to put on some muscle mass uh, and get some uh, some man strength, which will naturally come for over sure. t- over time. Um, but uh, something that uh, is a goal for you.
4: Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of you know my biggest is. Biggest weaknesses as a player is kind of just my strength and stuff like that, and that's definitely something that I'm focusing on for you know the upcoming years.
5: Yeah, far from the only guy uh, at your age that uh, that has that uh issue as well. uh What about on the ice? Are there areas of your game that uh, you think need the most uh, focus for yourself?
4: Yeah, I uh I think my physical play. Obviously, I I think I did improve. That's kind of one of the things that I had to work on at the start of the year. My coach has helped me through, but. I think my physical play was something I uh, needed to work on at the beginning of me and I, I kind of gradually got better. But I think I can still kind of, you know, get better in that area, that's right. for sure. Uh,
5: lastly, you know, you're a Saskatchewan guy, so you are you didn't grow up in the backyard of an NHL team or anything like that. But um, did, did you have a, a favorite NHL club? And I imagine that'll change uh, whatever happens here in about six or seven weeks. But um, as a kid growing up, did you have a, a favorite team?
4: Uh, you know, I I always liked Edmonton just because they were close. Um you know, it's kind of been tough the last couple of years, but you know they got a really good future and stuff like that. You know, obviously, their players. players. Um, I really liked Sidney Crosby and Pittsburgh, always going up to I like watching him, so that type of thing. But at the end of the day, I kind of just like watching hockey and kind of seeing what happens.
5: Excellent. Well, Adam, listen, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, good luck at the NHL Combine, the draft, whatever happens there. And uh, we'll see you uh, next year when you roll through town to take on the Old Kings. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Adam Beckman is uh, ranked 34th overall in North America by NHL Central Scouting. Uh, you can make an argument that uh, based on his uh, continued success in the playoffs, uh, maybe there's a team that liked him enough uh, for him to be a first-round pick. Probably a top 45 guy, but we'll see. Next up in the uh, 2019 draft spotlight, we go south of the border, and a guy who played in the USHL this past season, his name is Bobby Brink, uh, another player that I've been uh, trying to get on the show for uh, uh, probably a couple of months now, but just uh, never seemed to be able to uh, get a time that uh, that worked on his end and uh, for the team. His team is the Sioux City Musketeers. Then at the end of the year, he went over and played in the U18 uh, for uh, Team USA as well. So we talk about all of that with Bobby Brink next here on the Pipeline Show. Smirnov breaks across, turns it over to Allison. Here he comes, one on one. Allison, D-Clap, shoots, scores! He undressed the defender at the right spot. He went backhander, turned to the forehand, and wristed it under
0: Wisho.
2: Hey, I'm Wade Allison from the Tri-City Storm, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
1: She's
0: the girl of my dream, she's the girl of my mind. She's playing me for the fool because she's the
1: hunting guy. <laughs>
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
1: And here he is, having the time of his life.
5: Back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We're going to continue on with another 2019 Draft Spotlight segment. Uh, and my guest in this particular segment, this guy who's been on my uh, to-get list uh, for uh, many, many months uh, this season, tried to uh, set it up earlier this year, just for whatever reason, could not uh, connect uh, with... Uh, My guest, who is Bobby Brink, Uh, played for the Sioux City Musketeers this year for most of the time, also uh, put on the U.S. jersey uh, for the World U18s uh, and for the uh, World Junior A Challenge. So lots to talk about with Bobby Brink. Uh, Welcome to the Pipeline Show, Bobby. How are
1: you? I'm good. Thanks for having me.
5: Uh, Pleasure to get a chance to speak with you today. Uh, I know you'd rather be playing at this point as the USHL uh, Finals gets uh, ready to uh, start up this weekend, but um, your team fell a little bit short. Uh, What went wrong in the playoffs for, for the Musketeers?
1: Um, I don't know. We just ran into a, a hot Sioux Falls team. And, uh, uh, we had a couple close games there. We lost in fourth OT in the last one. So, I don't know, just a couple more bounces our way, and maybe that series turns around.
5: Well, uh, a really strong season for you uh, on a personal level. The Musketeers were a good team as well, but 68 points in just 43 games. You finished fourth in USHL scoring. But played like 20 fewer games than the other guys who were at the top. So uh, 35 goals included in that 68 game or 68 point uh, total. I have to think you're uh, pretty pleased with the way things went for you in the USHL this year.
1: Yeah, it was a fun year. Uh, uh, all of us as a line had a successful year, and uh, uh just too bad that we didn't turn on how we wanted
5: in the playoffs. Did your line mates uh, change throughout the season, or did you have a couple of guys pretty much from start to finish?
1: Uh, no! Most of the time it was with uh, Martin Posner, so Marcus Kelly and Charlie, unless uh, one was injured or out of the lineup.
5: Well, so a couple of pretty talented players there for sure. Why the chemistry between the three of you? What do you think um, was it was that uh, made you guys click so well?
1: Um, I think we all just uh, think the game a lot alike. Uh, I think we were able to make a lot of small, uh, like go and go plays to each other that uh, set us each other up for good scoring chances.
5: Uh, you also had a chance to play in the World Junior A Challenge uh, this year in Bonneville, which is about two hours away from where I'm sitting right now. Uh, I didn't get a chance to get out to the tournament this year, but um, what was that experience like for you?
1: Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, we had a great group of guys, and uh, the city of Bonneville was really great. Uh, the, they had a great attendance at every game, which made the atmosphere really fun, and uh, winning that gold medal there was really special.
5: Uh, was that the first time you, you got to uh, represent your country on the international stage? Uh, yeah, it was the first time. That so just made it even more
1: more special. Uh,
5: that's got to be uh, a proud moment for a player uh, to be able to put on your national colors like that.
1: Yeah, it's always an honor to uh, to get to wear the the USA flag. So uh, whenever you do it, it's, it's always an honor. It's really special.
5: Well, and then you got to do it again here uh, earlier, well, in April last month uh playing at the uh, World U18 over in Sweden. We'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, it's the 2019 Draft Spotlight. We're chatting with uh, Bobby Brink from the Sioux City Musketeers. And uh, Bobby, what we like to do in this part of the show is uh, let my audience get to know somebody that's draft eligible like you are this year, and not everybody that's hearing this is going to know who Bobby Brink is, so let's uh, educate the audience. Uh Where are you from? I'm from Midtown, Minnesota. Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing, Bobby? Uh, around the age uh two or three. Yeah, pretty young, but uh, the state of hockey, uh, you guys are uh, have, have such a rich hockey tradition uh, in your state as well. Uh, who got you into hockey at that young age, or is it just a Minnesota thing?
1: Um, my dad played uh, hockey at the University of Minnesota, so uh, he kind of got me into the game, and he coached me year you know, up through about peewee.
5: Okay. Have you always been a forward?
1: Uh, pretty much my whole career, except for, for me a couple of games at defense, but Usually I play forward.
5: Never ever throw the pads on. I, I talk to a lot of players on the show, and some of them will say, you know, when you're five or six, and your team, everybody kind of has to take their turn uh, playing in net. Did you have a an opportunity like that?
1: I think I threw them on for one practice, and then never again.
5: <laughs> you knew right away. <laughs> Yeah, I
1: knew that wasn't my thing. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, uh, I have to ask you about uh, something. Somebody told me that your middle name is Orr, so it's Bobby Orr Brink. Uh, is that correct? First off, is that is that true?
1: Yeah, that is true.
5: And and how did that come about? Do you know?
1: Um, my dad is just, I guess, a big hockey fan. Growing up, and he loved Bobby Orr, so uh, he decided to name me after it.
5: Well, I guess when you're, your name is Bobby or you kind of are locked into playing hockey, that's for sure. Hey, it's worked out pretty well for you. Maybe it's a, a maybe it's a good luck charm. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, all right, so you go from uh, Minnetonka High School uh, playing in the uh, USHL in uh, Sioux City. You got into 13 games last year uh, before playing uh, as a full-timer this year. Those 13 games, how much did that mean to uh, kind of giving you a, an insight into what to expect at the USHL this year?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, just made the transition easier from high school to the USHL. It's always a big jump going from high school to junior, so kind of get the transition period out of the way. Uh, last year was it was helpful for my start this year.
5: Now you did not play in the World Junior a- or in the uh, Holinka Gretzky Cup this year. Uh, was that something that was uh, you know you thought was a possibility for you and, and just didn't work out?
1: Uh, yeah, I was coming off. Uh, I just had knee surgery, so ah. I was still uh, injured at the time.
5: Okay. I was wondering if there was something along those lines, because uh, I would have expected that you would have been on that team. So not getting that opportunity, how important uh, was the U- the World Junior A Challenge uh, then for you just to, to play in one of those showcase events during your draft year?
1: Yeah, obviously if you have a good a performance at one of those events, that uh, uh, it helps your draft stock. But and it's also... It was tough not to be able to represent your country you as a big candidate, Michael or just so
5: mm-hmm.
1: to be able to do it at the World Junior A, that was nice.
5: Well, and uh, you led the U.S. in scoring at the World Junior A, and then you get that opportunity at the, at the U18 as well. Uh, now, you would played a, a few games uh, with the U17s in, uh, that year and with the U18s again this year. Um, so to go into uh, Sweden to join the club over there, was it a comfortable fit because you'd already kind of known some of the guys on the team?
1: Yeah, it made the uh, like joining the new team easier knowing the guys from last year. So I don't know, you just kind of it was less of a not knowing anyone where you just learning everybody's name for the first time. It's it's kind of nice to be able to jump right into a team where you've played there before.
5: I, I have to think it's still a bit of a challenge though, where to go from a Sioux City where you were the guy to playing for Team USA where you weren't necessarily the guy because that team is absolutely loaded with talent this year, but. Was it t- a little bit tough for you to find sort of your role?
1: Oh, I don't think it was that tough. I, I jumped right on the line with Boldy and time, They made uh, the transition really easily. With, uh, they helped me in my game, and we kind of clicked as the line. And so, I don't know, you just kind of do whatever you can to help the team win.
5: Well, six points in five games uh, in Sweden, that's pretty impressive as well. And I know it was not the, uh, the, the medal that you guys wanted to come home with, but um, can you... Can you come back with a bronze medal and be happy? Uh, I mean, at least uh, you didn't come home empty-handed. I know the gold medal is obviously the target, though.
1: Yeah, it's obviously talking about going over there and winning the gold. Uh, You dream about winning the gold medal there, and then uh, at least you're walking away with something. But uh, it's just not not the same without the gold.
5: Yeah. Uh, Bobby Brink of the Sioux City Musketeers, uh, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, Let's uh, chat a bit. About the draft uh, during the course of the regular season, is it something you spend a lot of time thinking about, or not?
1: Um, obviously, there's like interviews that you have to do with NHL teams and stuff, but I don't know. I try not to focus too on it too much, where it's uh, filling my mind during games and hindering my play. So usually, I just try to kind of keep it out of my mind and focus on uh, the city team.
5: But then you go to Bonneville, you also have the top prospect game in the in the USHL, so you have those those marquee showcase events where, you know, one end of the rink is just full of uh, guys in black coats and, and clipboards. So you know the scouts are out there every night watching you. It, do you think that can be a distraction to a player?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, you know they're there. But, like, I don't know, maybe just use it as motivation or uh, just either that or just keep it out of your mind where you can just do whatever you can to help the team win. Just that's what's most important is uh, winning with your current team.
5: Well, now that your time on the ice is at an end for this season, uh, you're ranked 19th in North America by Central Scouting. Uh, does that flatter you? Or are you excited about that? Or are you, are you one of those guys who says, uh, man, I should be ranked higher than that?
1: No, obviously it's an honor to be ranked uh, on Central Scouting and to be ranked high. So, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just an honor to be uh, on that, that list.
5: They rank you or list you at 5'8 and 159 pounds. How uh, accurate are those numbers?
1: I think I'm that about five nine five ten ish right in there
5: okay and weight wise about is it still about 160 pounds uh, yeah one, like
1: 165 ish
5: today's game uh, has certainly opened up uh, for uh, guys who aren't necessarily 6 two and 210 pounds um, so guys your size are finding a way to have success. How has it not been an issue for you? I mean clearly you've been playing at this size uh, you know all your life and I'm sure you've had people tell you all your life that you're not big enough. Um, why has it not been a problem for you?
1: Oh, I think just, uh, you see, like, guys in, like, in the NHL, like, a Drew and Kane, just use their skill to their advantage and, uh, just use quickness and, uh, elusiveness where they're not getting hit that much and they're still able to protect the puck with a lower center of gravity. So, uh, you kind of see them, you see that it's not that big of a deal to be, uh, smaller than most players.
5: Uh, For those uh, who are listening right now that haven't had a chance to watch you play, how would you describe yourself as a player?
1: Uh, player with high hockey IQ, who uses his vision and playmaking ability to set up his teammates and set up scoring chances for himself.
5: 35 goals, 33 assists this year. Do you see yourself more as a setup guy or or the guy who uh, finishes off the plays?
1: I mean, I think I kind of see myself as both. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not just a shooter or a passer. I try to do whatever the game gives me.
5: All right, uh, looking ahead to next year, uh, or is it the year after? I know you're slated to uh, to go to the University of Denver and play for the Pioneers. The last time I checked with them, uh, nothing had been uh, officially confirmed. I know you're a recruit of theirs or a commit. Um, but I don't know if you're, uh, your intention is to be there next year or the year after. Uh, where are you at with that?
1: Um, I'm trying to get my school done to, uh, to go in next year, but uh, we'll see how everything works out. Um, so, I don't know, it's not, nothing's for sure yet.
5: Okay. Pretty good, uh, landing spot there to play at the University of Denver. Uh, you do have another option with the Portland Winterhawks out of the Western Hockey League, which is another really nice spot, uh, to, to play at. Is the WHL, uh, and Portland, uh, a consideration for you? How much is, uh, how, do, how much does that factor in for you?
1: Well, obviously, they're a great organization out there, and, uh, Mike Johnson's a great coach, but, I don't know, I've, I've planned and committed to go to Denver, so that's uh that's what my that's what my plans are, to go into the University of Denver. Very
5: good. Uh, now, the NHL draft, uh, about six weeks away, did you grow up uh, having a, a favorite NHL team? I know whatever it is, that will probably change in six or seven weeks' time, but as a kid, did you have a favorite team?
1: I always grew up rooting for the Wild and going to a lot of Wild games. So as a, that was probably my childhood team, where it's, Kind of your home team. Yeah. Uh, I like, love Zach Freeze and that type of player, so uh obviously uh any team you you drafted to is special
5: though. Nice. Uh the NHL combine uh, will come uh, what about uh, 3 4 weeks from now. Um anything about that that uh, has you curious or nervous at all? You got the big sit down with all the NHL teams or the the fitness uh, portion of it that's always on TV and stuff. Anything like that? Uh, what what's got you more nervous?
1: Um I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm nervous about any of it. I just got to prepare and be ready for the fitness and interviews.
5: Well, Bobby, listen, I really appreciate your time today. uh, Best of luck at the Combine, the NHL draft, whatever happens there, and maybe we'll talk to you again down the road while you're at Denver.
1: Yes, thank you for having me.
5: His name is Bobby Brink, and he is uh, currently ranked 19th in NHL's Central Scouting's uh, North American rankings, and uh, I think I I don't think I've seen a list that has him outside of the first round. So there's a player we should probably expect to see in that 20 to 30 range, maybe even earlier than that, uh, although not a lot of size. And uh, I'm, I'm told I haven't seen him play with my own eyes, so I can only go by the scouting reports I've been told. We've heard some of them on the show here from our guests from HockeyProspect.com. Uh, that Bobby Brink, although he's not big, also not really, really uh, quick on his feet either. There will there will definitely be scouts out there who say, if you're going to be small, you better be fast. Uh, and uh, that's not the description I get of Bobby Brink. That's not to say that he can't have success. Uh, hockey sense is something you, is really hard to learn. A natural ability to put the puck in the net, really tough to learn. I think you can train to be become a better skater. We've seen number of players do it over the years. So if there's one thing, skating is really important in the NHL today. But if you're not a great skater at the junior level, I think that is still something that you can work on. So maybe of all the assets and, and uh, traits that a player can have and maybe not have, the terrific speed might be something that you can improve on the most. That's just my own personal opinion. Uh, so just because Bobby Brink is small and not necessarily a burner uh, doesn't mean that he cannot have success at the next level. He definitely has the hockey sense and the uh, natural uh, talent to put the puck in the net that's going to get him a look. We go from a one uh, probable first round pick to a guy who uh, another probable maybe even uh, for sure first round pick the top rated goaltender in the class of 2019 his name is Spencer Knight plays for the uh, US National Development Program he's on the pipeline show next
0: McCarthy trying to get it out of his own zone picks it up again behind the USA goal this time, a safe play, and he finds Turcotte with Gildon shorthanded, and overline Turcotte. Out in front! Scores! What a move! Alex Turcotte, a shorthanded goal.
4: It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: Black eyes open wide, it's time to testify. There's no room for lies everyone's waiting for you. Passion. Talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a ninety percent rate. Jonathan Taves, backhand scores. Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski, Score! and Johnny Gaudreau were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at college hockey.
1: Champions of the college hockey world.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
1: I heard about that thing on the AM radio.
5: We're back on The Pipeline Show, and uh, we're going to continue on with the 2019 draft spotlights. Uh, The third one for this episode is uh, one of the big ones for the season. Uh, The top-ranked goaltender in the NHL's uh, 2019 draft uh, comes from the U.S. National Development team, as uh, a lot of the players do this year. A guy's expected to go in the first round. Uh, We don't see a goaltender go in the first round all that often, but don't be surprised to hear the name Spencer Knight on uh, the Friday of the uh, draft uh, on day one. Spencer Knight joins me now. Uh, Spencer, thanks for taking the time uh, to uh, come on the Pipeline show this week. Uh, I know it's really hectic uh, part of the season for you guys, getting set for the combine and all of that, so I appreciate you making the time. Welcome to the show.
3: Yeah, thanks. No problem, of course.
5: Uh, well, tell me about uh, recent activities. I mean, the most recent uh, stuff for you guys, the U.A. Uh you come home with a medal. I know it wasn't the color that you were hoping for, but uh, how'd things go over in Sweden in general?
3: Yeah, so going over to Sweden was a really cool experience. You know, a lot of fun. Obviously, like you said, uh, not the medal we wanted, but, you know... You know, the way uh, the guys responded after that semifinal game and coming to the bronze medal game, you know, we did have to respond and play well to be a really good uh, Canada team. So, proud of the guys, we played really well there. And, you know, I think you have to look at the big picture on, you know, the team that the U18 team from this year. And it's a really special group, you know, not just from on the ice, but off the ice too. You know, we all get along very well. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, bittersweet, you know, Coming to an end, but it's like you know, is what it is. So,
5: it's almost cliche to say it's a real tight group and all of that stuff. Because a lot of a lot of people mm-hmm. say that, and a lot of players say yeah. that about their team. But you guys spend two years together with the U seventeen and the U eighteen. The, the whole U, world U eighteen is kind of like your Stanley Cup. You build up to it for two yeah. whole years, uh, and obviously there is disappointment with that. But getting back to the this this edition of the U eighteen squad. It really does seem like a special team, not just because I mean it is an explosive offensive uh, squad, mm-hmm. some really good defensemen as well, and of course uh, you uh, between the pipes and, and Cameron Rowe as well. What is it about this year's team that that makes it different than some of the uh, the development programs uh, uh, that we've seen in the past?
3: Yeah, so obviously I think for any uh, development team program, it's like you spend two years together, so you get to know the guys really well. I mean, from basically from like seven a.m. till basically five or five o'clock in the afternoon you know you are together whether it's at school or at the rink and then the travel so i think but i think that what separates this team is just you know it's just such a like a tight bond and it just it doesn't come from just being on the ice it's just i think everyone gets along very well and obviously it's very cliche to say but you know it is really true i mean there's no cliques or groups it just everyone hangs out together as a group. And, you know, it's a really special
5: thing. Oh, for sure. When you look back at this season, uh, I know the loss in Sweden will be uh, a bit of a sore spot and the, the wound's still fresh, but what was the highlight of the year for you? Yeah,
3: so I mean, there are a lot of highlights for uh, for our team. I think, you know, beginning of the year, you know, our college records. And uh, I think, yeah, I mean, we, I thought we played a really good college schedule and we performed very well. So that was obviously very good. And then obviously the was it Czech Republic, uh, I think we won that uh, four or five nations tournament, which is good. And, you know, I think it's just the ride all together. Like, I think starting the second half of the year, I think everyone kind of realized that this is our last, you know, last hurrah together. And, you know, we really have to just enjoy it. So I think the whole season was just, you know, really fun time.
5: Spencer Knight of uh, Team USA, my guest here on the Pipeline Show as we uh, look at another player. That's draft eligible and that's what we do in this part of the show, Spencer, is is let the audience kind of get to know somebody that's in your position and not everybody that's hearing this will automatically recognize the name Spencer Knight. So if you don't mind, let's get a bit of background. Sure. Uh, Where are you from? So I'm from Darien, Connecticut. How big is Darien and whereabouts is that uh, in relation to some of the the bigger cities that we would recognize? Yeah.
3: Yeah, So, you know, I'm probably a 40-minute train ride outside of uh, New York City and it's you know about Small town, 18,000, 20,000 people or so.
5: Okay. Now, do you remember how old you were when you first started playing hockey? Who, who would have gotten yeah. you into it back then?
3: Yeah, so I started, uh, I was throwing on skates around two, so I was pretty young.
5: Oh, that's for sure. And who got you into it? Yeah.
3: I, I, you know, it was my dad. I think, I can't remember when I was like when I was two, but I'm sure he just kind of <laughs> uh, put me out there, had little, you know, stuck my uh, hockey stick in the cone and started
5: skating around, so. Have you always been a goaltender?
3: No, no, no. So when did you I, start? Uh, yeah, I saw uh, I played player for a while, and I think I switched over to goalie from like anywhere from like eight to tenish. I think I was was a, uh, and uh, I actually played both for a while. Um, oh,
5: really?
3: Would, uh yeah, sometimes play out, sometimes play goalie, and I think I just switched over to goalie full time, just because I think uh, I enjoyed it a lot and I thought I was a little better at it. So
5: well, that's interesting. So uh, uh, there was a time. During a single season, where you were playing both positions?
3: Yeah, yeah. Every once wow. in a while, you know, skate out or play goalie, and I think it helps me in the long term for my development. Not switching over too early.
5: No, that's interesting. I don't. I don't. I haven't been told that by a player before that uh, he would play <laughs> as a goaltender and a and, and what a defenseman or a forward. Uh I was more of a forward. Interesting. Okay,
3: uh, I actually kind of like to score goals too. So kinda yeah, kind of weird, but
5: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, maybe having being a goaltender uh, gives you some advantage as a when you're playing as a shooter. You you know oh, what yeah. the, the goaltender position is like.
3: Oh yeah, I, I, I still love skating. Now you know, pond hockey or whatever. It's pretty fun.
5: Yeah. Now going with the interest in uh, in playing in net. Uh, when I talk to a lot of goaltenders, it's it's something to do. You know, wearing the mask or uh, just the equipment or being sort of an individual on a team. You're the only goaltender, of our, You know, only mm-hmm. one on the ice at a time, and you get to play the whole game. Yeah. What was it about the the position that interested you?
3: For me, I think. Well, when I first started, I really liked the gear. Um, growing up right outside New York City, I'm a big Rangers fan. So Henrik Lundquist was the goalie there at sure. the time, and and uh, you know he's always had the coolest mask and the pads. Obviously, they're pretty sweet. So really, really, really got into that. But um, now it's kind of just. Uh, you know, I love being a difference maker and being, you know, like the go-to guy. But you know, I think for me, you know, being on the ice all the time, that kind of stuff. It's just, and uh, you know, I enjoy being on a team, but it's a kind of a different, uh, different role of the team. So it's pretty cool.
5: Are you uh, a a guy who likes to uh, customize your your mask and stuff like that as oh, much yeah. as
3: possible? yeah, 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 I'm always, uh, always, you know, looking to. What's the next match gonna look like? So it's pretty pretty fun. All
5: right. Well, obviously with Team USA, it's gonna be an American flag sort of theme. I'm I'm guessing. Um, yeah. Uh, what what about uh, in the future uh, when you head off to Boston College? You got an idea already?
3: Yeah, I got some things in the works. Uh, not quite sure yet. Uh, not sure if I could. Uh, I'm gonna say yeah, just uh, surprise everyone or something. But I think I have a pretty
5: pretty cool one that's gonna be coming out. So. All right. Well, we'll talk about Boston College in a second, but uh, yeah. uh, tell me about the the process or the the, the path to go from Connecticut to Plymouth, uh, and what was in between? How did you get to uh, to play for the program? Yeah.
3: So when I was in Connecticut, I played for the Miss Fairfield Junior Rangers, kind of like the you know the bantam team in my area. Right. And uh, I grew up there playing with actually uh, kids like Trevor Zegers, Don Sore. You know, from those all those guys played Miss Fairfield. And uh, for us, I think uh, Trevor and I, we moved over to Avon, our sophomore year in high school. And Avon Old Farms, which is a boarding school. Yep. And we played there for a year. I think our goal, obviously, while we was there, was to eventually make the NTDP and go there for our junior and senior years. But, uh, yeah, from that transition over to Plymouth, you know, 17-year, you know, great year, I think, uh, our team did really well, and yeah, so now we're just kind of kind of here now. So
5: now, I'm always curious to to, to talk about the relationship between a, a goaltender and the other goalie on the team because you're both competing for spots uh, and and ice time. Uh, what's that like uh, with your uh, goaltending partner, and and uh, has it changed much over the last year or two? Has it been the same guy?
3: Uh, so for me, over the last uh, two years, uh, U17, U18 year, uh, me and Kevin Rowe, you know. Really good friends. We're really tight. Um, we're like we're we're in a couple of the same classes, and I think for us, it's a it's a healthy competition. You know, we're we're on the same page, and we're just trying to make each other better. It's never, you know, to the point where you know one's you know getting mad at the other, and one's jealous or you know, everyone, we're getting mad at each other, just a uh, healthy competition. You know, we're like, for me, it's like, I'm there to support him when he's playing. And when I'm playing, he's there to support me. And there's no second questioning when it comes to that. So,
5: Spencer Knight of uh, Team USA, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, now, if you are a forward, I could ask you, you know, if you're a power forward or a playmaker or a goal yeah. scorer or whatever, a defenseman, you know, several different styles of defenseman as well. Now, when it comes to a goaltender... Kind of, to some degree, you're all butterfly goalies nowadays and, and things yeah. like that. What separates you? What makes you a little bit different than other goaltenders? Yeah,
3: for me, I uh, I think I process the play very well. You know, when I'm reading the play, I think I just, it just absor- I approach things very differently, I think, you know, I have a very calm demeanor. And I like to just, you know, play a technical style. But when it comes down to, you know, I just have to make a save, I can be athletic, too. And also, I really like to play the puck because, you know, I think for me, like, that's something that, you know, as the game gets faster and bigger, I think the more you can, you know, have your team get easy exits out of their own zone it just saves d-men a lot of hits against and a lot of clean passes and you know it gets the team flown which is good
5: well we've seen the, some of the highlights of, of you uh, stick handling around players and, uh, and <laughs> you just do that with with so confidence uh, in like a like a level of cool uh, no panic in uh, when you're doing that and i wonder is that does that come naturally
3: yeah you know i think over time once you get put into certain situations and you deal with certain things i think you kind of learn just uh, take it as it go. Isn't for me. It's all just to be about you know letting things happen and making reads off it as a goalie. Because you know you're reacting, you're not acting or anything. You know I have no control over what what shots I see or what kind of shots. It's just I take it as it is and just try to stop the puck. This is my biggest thing.
5: I gotta ask you about Boston College, but first I'm gonna ask you about the draft. And uh, yeah. for for a guy that's in a position like you are, expected to be the first goaltender taken uh, in June. Uh, and on a team that has so many players who will be high draft picks this year, uh, getting to practice with those guys every day, I have to think that just makes you a better goaltender. Getting to practice against, yeah. you know, the, the Hughes and the Caulfields and the Zegers and the Boldies. I mean, the list goes on and on. They mm-hmm. must test you and, and help you get better every day.
3: Yeah, I think our practice is, that's basically it. It's just, everyone's making each other better and it's very competitive as well. And you know, every day you show the practice, and just you know, the mini games or even the drills—they're just really competitive. And you know, in the moment, you know, you want to—you know—you want to dominate. But you know, when you're on a team with so many good players, like you know, everyone doesn't have their moments where they just stand out. And you know, for me, sometimes I'll just sit back. I'm like, wow, I think that's a good play. You know, when you have you know, Hughes and Coffee coming down on two on zero, it's just like, oh well. I mean, sometimes you have to tip your hat to them. But you know, it makes you better, and I think that's what we're all doing here. I think once we get off the ice too, it never carries over. We're, you know, no hard feelings. We're just friends again. when we're off the ice. So
5: now, most of the players I ask uh, say they try not to think about the draft, but other guys say, you know, during the course of the season, no, I look at the rankings. I want to see where people have me pegged to go, and uh, they might use it as as motivation. What about for you, Spencer? During the year, did you think about the draft much?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously I, I have felt about the draft through this year. I think it's something that it's, you really can't avoid it whenever you go on social media or just in terms of hockey. It just You're going to think about it, and obviously I see what everyone's saying like, and what's going on, And but, you know, I don't take it as a, a negative. I always take it as a positive, whether, you know, I'm up, like, I mean, also the the rankings don't mean anything until the final day,
2: mm-hmm. you
3: know, I don't think it really doesn't matter, but for me, it's all just, you know, just playing my game, and, you know, I, I think for me, it's just like, I do think about it, yes, but does it get to me and bother me? No, it's all just positive, and, you know, it's like an exciting thing, right, it's only going to happen once, mm-hmm. so I think you have to take it, you know as it goes and really enjoy the process and not try to, you know, in like five years you look back on it, you know, you want to look at it as a positive not a negative.
5: All right, Spencer, tell me about Boston College and why uh, being an Eagle was uh, the, the right fit for you.
3: So when I started looking at BC I'd always go to the college games when I was playing like Bantams and you'd watch them play and when we were in Boston and I really, I just really liked the school and then the hockey team obviously I think the legacy kind of speaks for itself and the coaching staff there as well. Like, you know, really good guys. Really enjoy them. And uh, when I was looking at it, you kind of look at their uh, track record of goalies. I think you look back, you know, guys like Corey Schneider and Thatcher Demko and then Joe Wall, all great goalies. And mm-hmm. for me, I think it just it's a proven path that you know I was, you know, really wanted to take. So uh,
5: I'm I'm sure you have uh, two or three or four guys uh, teammates right now who will be also going at the Boston College seems like there's a lot of guys who go BC or BU or other schools that you're going to be button heads with what's that going to be like uh going up against uh, some of your buddies
3: yeah it's it's, it's going to be funny <laughs> especially like this team it's like we're all going to go to our separate ways and, and guys are going to college it's like it's going to be weird seeing them in, like, different uniforms. And then even for, like, uh, guys like that are going to BC, like, just being in the BC uniform or so you see and then like, a USA jersey, it's going to, it's going to be pretty yeah. funny. You know, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a pretty good laugh on the ice when we're all out there or something playing against each other like BCBU. It's going to be really funny, but really fun, too. Did you get to play against BC this year? No, no, we didn't. BC didn't play the program this year. Okay.
5: Oh, well. Um, well, listen, Spencer, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck, whatever happens. You got the NHL combine coming up, and I, I know that can be a challenge for some guys, but uh, the interview process, if this was any indication, you're going to knock that out of the park. And whatever happens at the NHL draft, I certainly wish you the best of luck there, and maybe we'll chat again uh, when you're at Boston College.
3: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me.
5: Easily one of the best player interviews of season 14 here on the Pipeline Show. Spencer Knight, Netminder. With the U.S. National Development team, uh, big thanks to Pete Krupski legendary Pete Krupski who uh, set up that interview for me. Appreciate that. Pete always goes the distance, the extra distance, uh, when he is setting up interviews. And uh, that's not even actually his job right now uh, at Team USA. I think he's doing it very much in the, uh, the interim at the moment. Uh, they've gone through a couple of people already this year. In that capacity... Uh, but Spencer Knight, uh, you expect to hear him probably between the 10 and 20 mark. Maybe, it, maybe he slips out of the top 20, but it sounds like the buzz is there for him uh, to be right in the middle of the first round, which uh, does not happen very often at the NHL draft anymore. But uh, big six foot three goaltender. Uh, seen lots of comparisons to at least with his uh, mental calmness, his focus, uh, at, like a Carey Price. And uh, I mean, what's not to like? about serious comparisons like that. Watch for Spencer Knight on day one of the NHL Draft. All right, one more segment to go on the show, and it's a good one as well as we preview the Clark Cup Final of the USHL with the voice of the Chicago Steel, Mark Citron. You won't want to miss the start of that one for sure. That's up next here on the Pipeline Show.
4: Hey, this is Brock Besser from the Waterloo Blackhawks. Hey, it's Kyle Turner from the Youngstown Fans. This is Mr. from from View Flying Saints. Hi, it's Ellie Tolman from Sioux City
3: Musketeers. Hi, this is Ryan Patolni, former player with the Lincoln Stars.
2: This is Cooper Marodi from the Sioux Falls Stampede. Blake McLaughlin from the Chicago Steel. Hey, this is Sam Gagne,
3: formerly the Sioux City Musketeers of the USHL. Hey, I'm Wade Alex from the Tri-City Storm.
1: Hi, this is Tom Gilbert, former Chicago Steel player. Jack Curry from the Waterloo
5: Blackhawk.
4: It's Casey Middlestaff from the Green Bay Gamblers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
1: There's no time for mistakes, cause it's slipping away. Even though it might be easier, I
4: won't give in now.
0: You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
1: You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras.
5: Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. Final segment of the uh, episode for this week, and uh, it's a good one. Uh, we're going to uh, speak with uh, Mark Citron, the uh, voice of the Chicago Steel, in a second. Uh, he had a great call at the end of the uh, last series uh, for the Chicago Steel uh, as they get set to uh, go to the Clark Cup final. This is a goal that... Sent them to the Clark Cup final, came in overtime, obviously uh, an emotional moment, and a goal call that, uh, well, once you've heard it, you won't ever forget it. Now, listen, I've done some things on Oil King broadcasts, usually the teddy bear toss goals, um, because traditionally we do something goofy for uh, teddy bear toss goals. Um, I mean, I sang at Dell for Pete's sake one year, uh, and I've done, uh, you know, traffic reports and anything just to have a little bit of fun. Uh, I've never. Done animal sounds. Maybe I should add that to the repertoire, but uh, take a listen. This is uh, Mark Citron, voice of the Chicago Steel, with an overtime goal call that uh, you will not soon forget. Take a listen.
2: To the point, down, fires, deflected, Bussy a patsy, loose in front, Fonte gets it, he
1: scars! He scars! It's over! It's
0: over!
5: The guy who did the goal call is my guest now, uh, Mark Citron, the voice of the uh, Chicago Steel. Mark, i got to ask you, because I've done some things on uh, my uh, broadcast of the Edmonton Oil King games um, that uh, maybe I've regretted after I've done it, uh, because they get played Mm -hmm. over and over. Uh, I've never howled, though. Uh, I totally tip my cap to you uh, for having the balls to do it. Uh, Any regrets now? (laughs)
2: Uh, heck no! It's interesting because I did it earlier in the year. There was an intense game against Youngstown. I think it was January or whatever it was, but he ended up scoring the game winner in overtime. And it was actually the boys gave me some trouble after this one. That how was ten out of ten. They were they loved that one. This one they they didn't like the beginning of it, but you know they. They loved it, obviously, the energy. And, uh, but there's other guys on the team that have nicknames with other animals. So, <laughs> um, for example, Master Simone's nickname is Ducky or the Duck Man. So i I just quacked, uh, against the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders when he iced that game. And I did some quacks, got some chirps from the fans, but it's, it's all good fun. I mean, so, and, and you know, Owen Power, he's a Canadian boy. I did the, I call him the big dog, you know, so I start barking, uh, he, when he scores. It, usually the animal sounds, don't, if it's, a, it's either a big moment or if the game is out of reach, a 4-1 or something like that, because you can't do that and not win the game, right? You yeah. can't have fun with it and not win, but it's all fun at the end of the day. So I, I, I love doing it. There's just something inside me, maybe in part animal, but, uh, You know, the people above, you know, I've gotten some professional, you know, feedback. And some of them say, hey, don't send that to the leagues above, you know, and whatnot. But I think it it makes you different in in a unique way and brings out energy in the game. And the boys love it and the fans love it. So, you know what, Uh, I'm going to do my thing. But I, I love the animal noises. And the howl is just one of them. So that's the best part.
5: I think it's terrific. I, I, I'm i a big fan of uh, having fun uh, during a broadcast. I think it adds right. personality to uh, to the broadcast as well. So, uh, no, kudos to you. All right. Uh, well, big times uh, for the Chicago Steel uh, and the USHL as the uh, Car Cup Final gets going this weekend. The Steel taking on the Sioux Falls Stampede. Uh, and we're going to set up that, uh, that series. Uh, now, it's been best of fives up to this point. Is it still a best of five in the final as well? It is. Yes, it is. Only league I can think of that doesn't uh, play a best of seven uh, in a series. But, oh, whatever. No, At least it's uh, the same for both teams, and uh, it doesn't change uh, throughout (laughs) the playoffs. But um, set the table for us. Uh, How do you put this head-to-head matchup? Uh, What's it going to look like uh, when these two teams meet?
2: Oh, boy. I think, you know, I want to say we're going to have some offensive explosion at some points. But... You know, playoff hockey, you really never know, but I think there's just too much talent to go around on both sides of the ice. I think starting with Sioux Falls, they got a lot of good rookies up front offensively and um as well just regularly guys that haven't been rookies, but they just are – they can roll four lines. They have a lot of depth up front, and that goes along with us, speed, skill. Just a lot of young guys, young talent. I mean, they can put the puck in the back of the net, but – on paper, I mean, both goaltenders have been fabulous. So, uh, and, and Sioux Falls has been the top goals against team defensively in the league. And I mean, when those two kind of collide, we'll see what happens and, you know, playing in their bar and their best home team in the league haven't lost in the playoffs, only lost five games in regulation all year long. So it's going to be important for the steel to get off to some fast starts in these games. But I think it's, it could be a classic series, hopefully, here. It should be a fun one.
5: Well, Sioux Falls right now, they're hot. They've won five in a row. They swept the Tri-City Storm, which uh, all, the players from that team almost swept all the uh, the awards uh, for the USHL this season. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people expected they might be the, te- the team to beat in the playoffs, but the uh, Stampede swept them aside fairly easily, uh, at least on paper. It was a, a short series, so cool. it looks like an, an easy series. When the Steel and the Stampede played this year, uh, how many times would they have played? And Do you remember what the record was?
2: Oh, yeah. We played twice, the Stampede, and they're crazy games, honestly. Uh, the first one was here in Sioux Falls. Eight to six, Steel lost, but there's a couple of factors, I thought, in that we actually had a few travel issues. Um, and i I am the last guy to make excuses, but, I mean, I thought that game was... It was just high scoring again, as I mentioned a couple moments ago. Until the third period, I thought we lost our legs a little bit in that one, and so they ended up taking a few goals in that third period and taking it. And then the, the seven to four loss the Steel had, so we were the Steel were zero and two against Sioux Falls. We lost on home ice. I thought we played the best fifteen minutes of hockey i maybe have ever seen just in general on every level ahl nhl uh, hockey ushl whatever it is that the steel played the first 15 minutes of that game it was just something i've never seen before we were up two nothing could have been five nothing and then chicago took a couple penalties we we took one and then they scored late in the first and Sioux Falls scored six unanswered. Yeah, I mean, and the Steel are never out of it. We They chip back. They always fight, have a lot of character and resiliency, but they didn't take it. Having said that, it's the postseason. These teams have both now come a long way since then, but it's important to note, though, the way those games came out, and we'll see if defensively both of them tighten up. I know Sioux Falls has and Chicago has, but there's just so much firepower to go around with both of these teams. It's, I, I can't wait for the puck drop.
5: Max Crozier leads the uh, Stampede in scoring in the playoffs. He's got 10 points, uh, three goals out of those 10 points uh, in uh, nine playoff games. Uh, they have Ryan Johnson on the back end, draft eligible this year. Is there a, a, a one area that's sort maybe the biggest concern for Chicago going into this series, uh, a problem or a, a challenge that Sioux Falls uh, provides that, uh, that they're going to have to overcome? I mean,
2: besides their offense i always look at just personally special teams uh the steel been better here throughout the playoffs since their first round with cedar rapids the first couple games was a little shaky um i thought special teams play and i'm going to be curious to see how the steel pk does against this power play Uh, i believe i don't know the exact number but their power play was just lethal against us in those two games. And again, you got a lot of firepower. You can't, the steel the most disciplined team in the USHL throughout the year consistently, but
1: you, you can't
2: take penalties. You can't take more than just a couple penalties a game. Uh, I'm just curious in that department to see where the Steel will stack up. Penalty kill again has gotten better, uh, since going three for six against Muskegon. He won 19 to 21. And uh But, again, eventually, if you have the firepower and you have the right components on a power play, we're we're not just in the second round now. This is the Clark Cup final. So you just can't afford to go to the box, even if you've been consistent in that all year long. So I'll keep an eye on that one uh, for sure.
5: Mark Citron is the voice of the Chicago Steel, uh, getting ready for the Clark Cup final beginning on Friday uh, down in the USHL. Uh, all right, if the Chicago Steel are going to have success in this series, who are the guys that are going to lead the way?
2: Well, I'm going to start with your goaltender because it always starts from your back end. And Justin Robbins has been a guy that it's been fabulous to watch him grow this year for us. And it's it's all shining in the playoffs right now. He's been absolutely spectacular. He's making the right saves at the right times. Even in some tense situations, he's looked so calm and balanced in that for a guy that is not a big goaltender, um, I mean, easily under six feet tall, but he's just done such a tremendous job this year, working on all aspects of his game starts with him. And then moving up front, the Steel been led by two guys, Robert Mastro-Simone, Boston University commit, projected to be early second round pick, probably. I mean, you don't know if these scouts or whatever it is, but the things I've seen from him just all year long, and, uh, the privilege it is to watch him play is marvelous 200 foot game. He's so, you he can't be sleeping when this guy's on the ice. He'll pickpocket. Yeah. He'll steal pucks from you on breakouts and in the neutral zone. And then offensively, he's got a heck of a release and he makes his teammates better uh, with the puck. And then Nick Abrazizi is a guy that has just kind of came out of nowhere. He was a guy that played for the Steel last year. And, um, this year he just, Man, he came out of the woodworks and just was the USHL point total winner, but he just worked so hard on the puck for a guy that's only five nine. I don't know, I forget his exact weight. I think he's like a buck sixty, buck sixty five more. But he I called him the bull shark because he's absolutely nasty on the puck and in front of the net and all those Dirty, greasy areas where you score goals. It's, I call him the bull shark because he's not the biggest shark in the ocean, but boy, you do not want to you do not want to mess with bull sharks. They'll tear you up. Nick Abruzzese still has done just that. Him and Mastro Simoni leading the way as well here in the playoffs in the USHL scoring. But uh, also want to give some credit to our captain Matteo Pietronero for a guy you talk about Max Crozier defensively. Well, this guy on and off the ice as a leader. Uh, this team wouldn't be here without him. He's just a marvelous kid. 49 points in the regular season, 18 goals, 31 assists. Uh, but he he's just provides more than just stats on and off the ice for the Steel. So I'm looking for the big guns to do that. But, again, a lot of depth on the Steel team as well for the cushion and support that these guys need here to break through and win the Clark Cup.
5: Uh, you mentioned a uh, uh, Bruzy. You, you consider him a, a bull shark if uh, if he scores a goal. What's the sound effect for that?
1: <laughs> it's like <laughs> his master Simone always asked me. I I
2: mean, <laughs> I always just do like a. I don't do it on the air, but you know, I joke around like a little splash, and <laughs> uh, I mean. <laughs> Um, but uh no, that's a good question.
5: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I've had a uh, master Simone on the show earlier this year. Enjoyed that conversation a lot. Another guy who's draft eligible is the Wolfman himself, uh, Gunner Wolf Fontaine. Uh, <laughs> missed last year's draft day uh, by one day, right? I mean, he's a September 16th birthday. Um, so he just missed uh, the uh, 2018 NHL draft um, by uh, a, a few hours. Um. And I know there's been a bit of a push from the organization to get him some attention, and he's on a bit of a hot streak right now, isn't he? Tell us about Gunnar Wolf.
2: Oh, I mean, uh, head coach Greg Moore, he said this guy adds an element to this team that's irreplaceable. I mean, he has uh, explosive speed uh, that gets him first on pucks, but he's so hard on pucks, and he's so good on the four checks, and he just makes, he's so good at getting to the battles first, winning the battles making his teammates better, and being a playmaker. And then, yeah, he actually didn't score his first goal of the year until December. And then ever since then, I think he's been one of the best players in this league. Uh, he just lit fire. And, he I mean, he just has a marvelous all-around offensive game. And, uh, again, he, he really is an X-factor, though, for this team. And that's where I talk about you can have Master Simone, you can have Abrazisi but again it's the the guys like Gunnar Wolf Fontaine and Christian Sarlo and you know some guys that don't even get enough recognition uh Fontaine he he really is a sleeper though uh any team luck, lucky enough to see that and take advantage of that should he he's a marvelous talent so he um could be another x factor here in this series will be interesting to see what transpires, but now the wolf is—it's uh, amazing some of the stuff he does, and uh, that's the beauty of the game.
5: Uh, now the series starts in uh, Sioux Falls. Uh, how big of a challenge is home ice uh, disadvantage for Chicago?
2: Oh, I mean it's huge. Uh, I don't—I take it one game at a time mentality, but as I mentioned before, they're—they're they're really there's something on home ice. I, I don't really—I uh, wouldn't say not—not not a knock against the rest of the league, but I'd say they're the team that if you need home ice and they didn't even get it against Waterloo and they beat Waterloo but they they're so good in their own building um and i think for the steel what goes for our ways an advantage in our building as well but uh, it's it's going to be important that the steel uh, we taught, talk, you talked to think the first thing you said on this show was it's not a best of seven series and that's where you have to get at least one though you got to get one win going home um i mean because you're down 2-0. It's, it's, I don't care if you're going home. It's, there's so much more pressure, I think, on you rather than 1-1 where you're going home and you kind of have control of the series in a way with momentum potentially. So, uh, it's going to be crucial to get at least one here. So, um, we'll see. I think the Steel Show, they love these big games, uh, in these rinks and in front of all these fans. Sioux Falls has had the best attendance. I think it's been five years in a row now in the league, but, our fellas love showing up uh, in front of the crowds, and they feed off it. So we'll see if they can take it home back to Fox Valley uh, with the lead or at the worst, a split. It's going to be a tough challenge, though.
5: Game one on Friday night, game two on Sunday. and Then uh, you basically got uh, the week off in uh, game three uh, the following Friday in Chicago. Uh, well, Mark, listen, I really appreciate your time. How do uh, fans uh, who can't get there, how do they listen or uh, watch the games?
2: Okay, so it's Mixler the app, M I X L R, Mixler, and just search Chicago Steel for free. You get to listen to me, hopefully some animal voices <laughs> uh, and some references going on. It should definitely be a fun time. But that's how you can check the, check us out. And uh, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure, and can't wait for this series as a hockey guy. You know, just uh, eagerly. A to drop the puck Friday night should be an, an incredible series, and uh, we'll see what happens. But again, thanks a lot for having me.
5: No problem. Have a great call, man.
2: Thanks a lot. Appreciate it.
5: That is Mark Citron, the uh, voice of the Chicago Steel. Uh, thanks for his time and a uh, great setup and preview of the USHL's Clark Cup Final, which begins uh, tonight in Sioux Falls. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of the pipeline show. It's been a really long one. Thanks to all five of the guests that you heard from earlier. Wanted to uh, mention a couple things. Thanks to everybody who signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. You can he- have heard all of these interviews for the last, well, the one I did with Ross McLean was on Monday. So you've had all week basically to hear that one exclusively uh, available early access to patrons at patreon.com slash the pipeline show A couple of the 2019 draft spotlights, the Adam Beckman one, the uh, Bobby Brink one were like uh, on Tuesday. I spoke with uh, Spencer Knight, I believe it was, on, uh, that one was Thursday. So that one was just yesterday. Uh, But depending on what day of the week, I mean, you could have two or three days uh, to hear some of these interviews before the general public. A couple of bucks a month is all it takes, and you can have early access as well. The other thing I wanted to point out, uh, yesterday here locally on TSN 1260, Jason Greger uh, the Jason Greger Show, uh, They had uh, he had Corey Graham in studio for an hour. Corey Graham, the uh, voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings, who uh, was not able to be the voice of the Oil Kings this past season. Uh, I've been asked several times, uh, uh, pretty much every game the Oil Kings played this year, somebody asked me, how's Corey, where's Corey, what's, what's happening with Corey? Well, yesterday he was in studio with Jason Greger, explained the whole thing. Jason also wrote up a big piece, uh, which you can find at Oilers Nation, OilersNation.com, OilersNation.ca, just Google it, uh, with a sit-down interview. It was basically a big sit-down interview with uh, Corey and uh, his wife, Nicole. So if you're one of the people who has been asking me basically since last summer, uh, where's Corey and uh, why isn't he behind the mic of the Oil Kings, uh, basically all I've been able to say, and that's out of respect for Corey and his wish for privacy, was that he had extensive back surgery. He's not back uh, feeling 100% or, or well enough to go ride a bus You know, on the uh, the U.S. road trip, uh, or uh, carry his equipment around and stuff like that. Uh, There there are very good reasons for that, and he explains all of that yesterday with the Jason on the Jason Greger show, and in that article at Oilers Nation. So go check that out, and then you'll understand uh, and get the update on what's happening with Corey Graham next week on the show. It's going to be the Memorial Cup coaches show. Might also become the Memorial Cup coaches or general managers show as a really short uh, turnaround for some of these teams, unlike the Frozen Four where you've got basically 10 days where you go from the regionals to the Frozen Four. Much bigger gap and, and more openings to to book interviews. This literally could be a couple of days from, you know, if it's, some of those series go seven games, and they're playing on Monday. They're probably, you know, flying out Tuesday or Wednesday out to Halifax, and then when you get to the, the actual Memorial Cup, there's uh, there's a big banquet and things. So it's a real hectic, tight schedule. So coaches might not be as available. Um, so we might go with the uh, GMs this year. We'll leave it up to the teams. Hopefully, we get a representative from all four teams. But that's the plan for next week here on the program. Until then, get out and watch some junior hockey, prospect hockey, so that you and I can talk about it here next week on the Pipeline Show. Until then, my name is Gee Flaming. See ya.